Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV and our coverage of Amazon Prime's The Wheel of Time. So this is episode five, Damane. And before we dive into the episode, I just want to give a very quick shout out to everyone that's kind of directly engaged with us, either via Twitter X or the YouTube comments. Obviously, be doing this show. I feel like if it was just our friends and family listening, but the fact that you guys are listening and engaging with us makes it honestly that much better and that much more fun. We really appreciate the support. And then if you're someone who is just listening or watching and not interacting, step your game up. <laughs> yeah. So that's the opening. Uh, and we'll kind of just move right into the episode. Classic Benchtown housekeeping stuff is just that we do this by buckets, either locations or characters. So we'll have it. We'll do Perrin and everything with Perrin. We'll do um, Tarvalon, which will just be things with Varen. Then we'll move into Rand and Moraine's kind of storyline. Then we'll move into Falm. And then, yeah, hopefully this won't take us the two and a half hours that we're thinking it will. Because as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, got the Eagles jerseys on, Eagles play tonight. So we're going to try to get through this as quick as we can while still giving you the content you love. All right. Perrin storyline. Just want to very quickly mention that uh, Child Valda was in the episode preview and I just cracked a smile for me. So I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. So Perrin storyline opens with just kind of two quickish scenes of he realizes that Elias has led him in a circle instead of in a chase for his friends. He decides to set it on his own in anger. They have some interesting quotes here. Not sure how much we want to linger on this kind of opening scene, but just some things I liked is that parent is just kind of pushing back on Elias. Elias is telling him like the two rivers squad and his wife aren't his pack, which I thought was like, all right, bro, slow your roll a little bit there, Elias. You're kind of uh, creeping yeah. into territory you don't want to get into. Yeah, I've known you for like two days, bro. Like back off just a little bit. Uh, I was kind of getting that same vibes that Perrin is is kind of taking offense to it, but you know it is what it is because he is part of this new pack now. A few of the things they were saying, you know, will my eyes turn? You know, hopefully soon if you're lucky, but eventually they will. You know, you get pretty much night vision and you can see a deer and tall grass, just so cool. Um, so and then the fact that yeah, he just keeps pressing about the wife and Perrin still has not yet come to terms with it. Like it's still a super soft spot. Just waiting for that to be done. Like, obviously, it's it's taken a long time because, you know, it is a whole character trait, but it's I'm ready for that to be done with. I feel like of our five, Perrin and Matt have been constantly being told that, you know, they aren't, you know, they shouldn't associate themselves with the five anymore. You know, they've kind of left you behind. So it feels like Perrin and Matt are kind of set up to be going down darker paths, whereas Egwene, Nynaeve, and Rand are more on the the light side, if you want to call it that, but it's just interesting here because Ishi, I think, tells him the same thing. Like, you're there's those aren't your friends. So Matt and him are just constantly being told, you know, you got to leave those those fools behind. They aren't your friends. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add except I am. I, this will be like the third time I've said it this season, but the eyes look amazing to me, and I'm happy they addressed it because eventually Perrin is going to have them all the time, and it's going to be so cool because Elias looks amazing, and when Perrin whips them out, they're just cool, but. I know the the next scene's a little bit more for me. Uh, yeah. 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 So defining character trait of parents. So it's nice that you guys are enjoying that. One thing I would like to add here is just that the group of wolves seem quite loyal to Elias, but except for our boy Hopper. Hopper follows Perrin. He's kind of whining when Perrin's like, I'm going to get out of here when he's angry. So Hopper's kind of proving himself to be a real one. He shows Perrin a vision of Uno in a cage, which then prompts Perrin to get upset that they didn't bury him. So Perrin now crosses into Atuan's mill examines the cages before he can break uno out he hears a voice that kind of warns him about doing so because he'll be discovered by a white cloak which he then is discovered by a white cloak who we find out is dane bornhold 
Uh, they share a bit of a drink. They have a little bit of a conversation. If you even want to call it that, it's a little more of like a question and grilling session before a parent kind of scurries into the inn to hide. So we get a lot of info dumped in these two scenes. Floor is completely open. We can talk about all of it. And I'm putting this out there now at the top of the episode that a lot happens in the in this episode from a book reader's perspective. Me and Kyle were texting about it. There is so much subtle lore work that is really well done. We are introduced to some major characters that we're going to have for a long time. So this was an episode that probably hit harder for book readers. I don't know how you guys feel about it. We'll talk about that later. But just for me, you're going to probably see me and Kyle geeking out over some things that you're going to be like, really? <laughs> like that's that's that big of a deal. But there were some moments I was watching with Dave and Alki where I was like containing myself, but still freaking out because like these are characters we're meeting that I've read thousands of pages of, spent hours with, and just always like have grown to love and they're finally getting introduced. So if we feel like we're gushing on some characters that get a couple lines, there's more to come. And that this is like parent storylines, a huge part of that. Cause you just mentioned Bornhold, he gets a, a lot of important parts. And then Avienda, of course, we'll talk about her, but I guess we're just sticking to the initial part of Perrin going in before Valda shows up, right? That's what we're talking about now. I would say up until Valda. So basically up until Perrin sneaks out at night. Um, okay. So I think Paul, the Valda stuff's fair game because I'm sure we obviously wanted to talk about that because he was a little bit of a podcast favorite character for season one. Yeah, you guys, whatever you want. Yeah, just some small things. When Perrin was talking to the innkeeper, the innkeeper was saying that the White Cloaks actually chased out the swan chan so that's why they're not taking Don't over swan chan okay swan, swan chan it is yeah, dude bro I, it's dude it's jackie's son sean sean that's what i said you're the one that said swan <laughs> all right so the sean chan they aren't there because the white cloaks are actually have one benefit and that's you know they can defend the area that they're in this pretty boy I called him pretty boy in my notes as soon as he walked up and I was like, this is a trap, man. Nobody just sees a random person. He's like, come on, dude, I'll buy you a drink. I'm like, come on, especially one chilling out by the prisoners. But, you know, poor parent. I'm sure he was like, fuck it. Like, I'll get I'll get a meal out of it. At least I knew that dude was going to be a big player. And then they drop his name later. The the name Bornholt just sounds harsh. And child Valda even has the line, you know, one day your name won't be enough to save you. So that just felt like he was a big player and it would not to go all the way into the scene, but he had the ax. And I was like, dude, Perrin, take the ax. You're the ax guy. Take that shit. So I like, cause there. I know you're Kyle, you're going to clean up a bunch of the lore things here. So I'll take these couple little things that Paul just pointed out that I I'm, I'm glad you caught it because they were two amazing, just throwaway lines that could be taken by just the average person. But yeah, like the, I brought it up maybe when the Sean Chim were originally introduced, how I said, if you take the oaths, you're good. That's what they re reiterate here. The white cloaks can be hard asses and like, you know, that's kind of what we took away from that. And you just picked up on that quote right away. So yeah, like there's, there's a, there, there's a debate about like, is it worth it just to have the Sean Chen here? White cloaks, whatever. That's important world building for just their dynamic between each other. And then the other thing you said, Bornhold, that name, he also, he also goes on to talk about his dad said like living in the shadow of your father. So keep that in the back of your head as well, because yeah, that's. The Bornhold name has some weight behind it. And I mean, season one, we met his dad. Do you not right. remember? Paul, you called him Borny. That was Borny. The white haired guy who questioned when um when the squad is like leaving, they're running away from the two rivers and they run into Child Valda for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the guy who's the leader of that group with the mm -hmm. white hair. 
That's yeah, his dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So that's like a little connection thread there. That's why this show is great. The connections that <laughs> yeah. they do is just it's so good. My comments are just going to be really quickly that I, Dane definitely made a very good first impression for me. Obviously, we all think Valda is a complete dick, which he obviously is. And it was cool seeing Dane kind of push back against him. I guess when he first gets introduced and Perrin looks at his outfit, I missed that it was a white cloak outfit somehow or there was a symbol he, on he, the was, he was hiding it for sure okay and so that went over my head but it was cool seeing the interactions between valda and dane and that obviously not all white cloaks think alike you know valda might be the extreme of the white cloaks whereas dane seems a little bit more lax like i don't know if like valda would have had a way different reaction seeing perrin there than dane did dane was very even b- excluding the history i feel like he still would have you know reacted a little bit differently and dane was very like calm about everything and i i kind of liked him as like potentially like maybe leaving the white cloaks later down the line you know we'll see to partially quote one piece some maybe there's a uh, good white cloaks and bad white cloaks who knows yeah exactly yeah that's season exactly two? What I was just gonna bring up too yeah, yeah the marines and shout out to one piece getting renewed for season two the live action paul i just like your pretty boy quote because people were like when they casted him Everyone was like, why are they just keep casting everyone in this show so hot? Like Dane Bornhold is a character that's <laughs> like he's in the books. And like naturally, if you're part of the White Cloaks, it's like, you know, people's like initial take when you're always negative in a sense. And it's like, why are the why are all these handsome men and like, you know, and these attractive women like, like Landfair and all these people like they're going to make us love them in the show versus just like reading them and picking your own, like, you know, picture them in your mind. So that's just kind of funny that you also thought that two little things just gonna i think i'm gonna reiterate it every time when they bring it up of when valda says do you think it's a coincidence that there are aiel west of the spine at the same time these strangers appear from the west of the sea so we've gotten it mostly from the white tower storyline of like things are happening in the world there's you know false dragons popping up now we have channelers who are super strong so it's they're doing a job a good job of dropping all of those seeds and you guys mentioned the convergence i guess idea from malazan so there's our one piece in malazan reference quota for the episode we banged him out in the in the same scene i love and us. now we can and now <laughs> and now we can kind of uh move on to one small little thing i loved is that um child valda is afraid of like the dog barking and dane Bordhold like makes a joke about it he's like don't worry there's no wolves around here so like it's a known thing in the white cloaks that he like got attacked by wolves and is afraid mm-hmm. of them so that's a fun little kind of extension world building thing right there is, oh and, is- and again as always there's more things that i wanted to say than i said i was going to say Again, we're getting this idea that people notice two rivers stitching, two rivers stitching rather. I was gonna say that, but yeah, so that's just. I was like, don't happening. don't pick on everything, Paul. We we got a time limit. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, it's just something that's happening. It's so cool, though. I love it, and then yeah. that makes sense why he describes. I can't think it was Steven Erickson. No, yes, yes, that was the author. Why he describes everything so much, all the clothing and stuff. Is that Wait, not the guy who writes? You're Malazan? talking about Malazan, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Robert, Robert Jordan. Jordan. Robert Jordan. Yeah. yeah, yeah see, yeah. this is why I need backup confirmation. <laughs> you guys just blank stare at me. I feel like a deer in headlights. Uh, <laughs> well, some, yes. you sent me last episode to just let you roll when you make fucking mistakes. So I was like, okay, I'll let him roll. I ain't never said that. Okay, whatever. So moving on to the next scene is going to be parents slipping out of the inn. His naturally heroic nature won't let him just leave Avienda alone in the cage. He breaks her out, is forced to join the battle for her freedom, which then turns into a battle for his freedom. Just a great action scene here. The music was on point. The choreography was on point. So just obviously just floors wide open. Dude. I mean, great scene. Yeah, in action. I mean, this is the second 
live Aiel we've seen, at least in the present. I know we've gotten Rand's mother in a flashback, but like Rand's mm-hmm. the only one we've seen. And now we have, I, what's her name? Avienda. Avienda. Try and spell it. I'll give you a hundred bucks. You know, Dave? I was thinking when it came up is that Dave, you should keep like your little spelling character list and then we'll release it at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're just going to add it here, but Avienda, A V I E N D. I, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that was that really, was really that close. close. I mean, if I thought yeah. a little bit more, I maybe could have nailed it. That was just me. AJ rolling. at the end, right? No, yeah, yeah. It's I would not have, I, it's AJ. I would have never got that, yeah. but that was pretty good. That, that was, was really good. impressive. Yeah, but no, just this was really great because the the first fight scene we ever get with an Aiel is Rand's mother, who's taking on I think it was like four or five, like or maybe not even that many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was obviously, and she was mm-hmm. pregnant, and like that still put on a really good display of like how strong Aiel are, but. Here we see a non-pregnant Aiel taking on 10 grown-ass experienced men just who are probably, I'm sure, trained to fight at least in some capacity. And she makes slight work of them. Always going to shout out the choreography in the show. It's been fucking amazing. It's We've been spoiled, I feel like. It's so hard to appreciate like other shows now because of how good the choreography has been in these um these scenes but loving the loving that parents willing to help out others all the time he's just such a good guy just love that and especially in the in the face of everyone telling him you know lose your friends you're going to be bad all this stuff he's still making his way into being good i i love this scene 10 out of 10 absolutely for me yeah this seems fucking amazing i got a few lines that i was just like dude this is just the best i want all of this i said last time the storyline was you know piqued my interest but now it's like really picking up uh, so I love her. Avienda, that, that's her name. She's a beast. And a few things here. People shouldn't be in cages. That's just a great line by Perrin. My water is yours or my water is your yeah. water. That's just like a, it reminds me of like, I see you in like, from like yeah. Avatar. I just like that line. It's a cool little, uh, this is the way you know, the world building thing. Like I feel like, Do you know like, the song. Yeah. I mean, like literally. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. Um, it felt, it and felt then like she, a way of the leaps, like, thing that they would say you know speaking of songs not not a song but you know parent goes to block her and like protect her she just fucking chuckles like oh that's cute dude that's a fucking cute idea and she was like parent last name which i still don't know what's his last name ibarra i had ibarra so i was close parent ibarra do you like to dance I was like, oh, my God, that was I like so to, badass. I like to break it down on the dance floor. <laughs> That's for sure. This dude was absolutely one of my favorite scenes of this entire uh, show, maybe, because Avienda is the pretty much ideal type of fantasy character archetype that I usually gravitate towards. So she, I have high expectations for her. She was one of the first actors cast for season two so we've known that she was going to appear forever she's a big character in the books like get ready for her because she's just you can already tell she makes such an impression with what little screen time she's got and also since this is like dave saying the first live aiel we really have in modern time pay attention to her little intricacies of her culture that you can get you already pointed out paul water is a huge thing for them so she'll say things like that all the time she calls him wetlander oh yeah the the, yeah exactly the um not mass. What the fuck? The v- it's a veil. Uh, veil. 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 Yeah. And Tom Marilyn, our boy from last season, said to Matt when he was trying to rob the caged Aiel at that point, if the veil is up, it's already too late. If it's down, they're peaceful. And her confidence yeah. was amazing. The, I, I love that little cr- cackle before call- saying Perrin Ibarra. And then she just fucks everybody up. Perrin got some some kicks in there, too. Like he was doing some things. But Avienda was just awesome. And this really shows you how strong the culture of fighting is in 
the Aiel. So she was amazing. 10 out of 10. I was just, it was hard to get a smile off my face when she popped up. My only, it's not even really a complaint is just my only, I guess, issue is it's hard for me. Like right off the bat, Perrin knows she's an Aiel, I think is like we're led to assume for me as a viewer, I'm still having difficulties like determining. I know it's like the red hair is like a giveaway, but when she was like in the cage, I personally did not think Aiel right away. I, we see her face and I'm like, I, I'm like, who is that? Is this someone Perrin knows? He says Aiel. Um, it's just, it's hard. I just, I, I hope with the introduction of more Aiel going forward, it makes it a little bit more obvious to me because I know like, oh, I know this is just totally random, but like Elena is a redhead. Elaine. Elaine is a redhead. Like, you know, yeah. what other characteristics are there that define an Aiel besides maybe the veil, the red hair, you know? So the first thing, the thing with Elena, I think is more like a casting thing. I think they just like her hair so much. They didn't want to give her a wig. Elaine's supposed to be more like strawberry blondish. Okay. So it's not she's not really supposed not to have as like as red. red. Yeah. yeah, as red as it is, but I think it's worth it to not have her wear like an ill-fitting obvious wig type of deal. And then with the IL, it's a lot of it's gonna be it's gonna be the way they speak, but mostly the way they dress. Like she's yeah. wearing like that just like very like kind of rock colored clothing. That's just like what they rock all the time. Oh wow, I used it twice there in two different ways. Nice. <laughs> I just think of like Dune, like what they yeah, rock yeah, in the desert. That's kind that of is, what I've picked up on. Yeah, that's definitely a very, very, very fair comparison. So, good. Whoa, that <laughs> she, was awesome. <laughs> did she like block an axe with her thigh? Like she like jumped up and like I don't know what she did. I don't know if she like was supposed to hit like the handle and not the actual blade part. But then like later on, she has like a cut on her thigh, and I was like, where did that come from? So it was just like a weird back and forth. Oh, I, I was a bit confused it, by that too. She loves Rey Mysterio because she was 619 and everybody out there dude, was awesome. Yeah. As I, re- I was like, dude, the grappling choreography was amazing. I mean, she's yeah. just in it. It's just really, really, really good. Yeah. So kind of to bring back the Tom stuff and this just idea of how much you learn about the culture, she introduced herself as Avienda of the Nine Valley Sept of the Tar.Aiel, Far Dice Mai. Obviously, that is just straight gibberish to you just listening. It literally means nothing to you. But basically, the way the Aiel culture works is that there's clans, and then there's seps within that clan. And then outside of that structure, you can be like in a warrior society, which maybe think about it like your job. So like, you know, we're from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and then we do our jobs type of deal. So like they're from clans. They live in like the the smaller subset is going to be your sect and then or your sept rather. And then you can be in a warrior society. So her clan is the Tarda. There's 12 of them. Her sept is the Nine Valleys. It's just one of whatever parts of her clan. And then she's Far Dias Mai, which is a warrior society, which just means maidens of the spear. That's what Rand's mom was like. They, they're just basically the women that fight. And we learned from Errol a couple episodes ago that the women are badasses. Obviously, they're putting that on display. All of that kind of stuff will get reinforced later, but it's just want to call it out now so we can kind of come back and to this right. like additional moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were saying Rand's mom is also kind of the same, you know, warrior that she is. So are she are, was essentially like a part of the same warrior society? But all I yield at the end of the day are going to be super strong. It's kind of like the minx in One Piece. Like I know there's like you know the people the minx in One Piece. They have you know their the sword fighters and like the front yeah. line people and like even the townsmen. Like they're not trained fighters, but they can still kind of fight. Yeah, it's kind of like the Aiel are just like a really hard people. I think Spartans. 
decent way to think about it. Yeah, I mean, they're just culture is just like but built like, around like the fact that like they've had to struggle to survive and like they're all just kind of hardened people, whether it's battle hardened, okay. whether it's life hardened, like they're just like really, and, yeah, and like that's their genetics. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So we get into the next scene, which is kind of them to having this little debrief session, essentially, after they just kick the shit out of a bunch of people. And we just learn a ton more about their customs. So like Luke said, she calls them a wetlander. Heron calls it the waste. So we learned in episode, I mean, sorry, in season one, and now we're getting it again. So people call it the ideal waste where they're from, essentially because it's just like a desert. So it's just like a wasteland to everyone that's not from there. She says they call it the threefold land, which is this is just like one of my favorite parts of the episode because this is just great lore shit. It's just so the, one of the folds is the, it's the shaping stone to make them. The second is the testing ground to prove their worth. And then the third is their punishment for the sin. The words "the sin" coming out of an Ioman's mouth to book readers is like, yeah, borderline orgasmic. So, like, and they, obviously they call it out. Parents like, "What's the sin?" She's like, "It's so old that we don't know." It's like kind of you know alarm bells going off that that's something we'll come back to. Hmm. That's and like sounds eerily. More info, yeah, it just sounds eerily similar to the arches, almost like the three arches, like the the trials that you have to uh, go through there. Yeah, don't hate that at all. But that's why their people are just badasses, is because they are thriving in the worst place it environment. makes sense that yeah. like the the basic person there would maybe not be like combatively as strong as like an average person outside of there but like yeah the, like the yeah, resilient like survivalist yeah resilient yeah, yeah. yeah. and she that's a great like, little like little language bit that i'm sure i feel like paul like so they come from a place that's like the desert with like not a lot of water so you mentioned how she's like you know like your water is my water is yours type of deal luke said the water is a big thing for them and the fact that they call people not from the waste wetlanders because they live in places where there's water. It's just like a funny little like good language quirk there. If you have green around you, you're like a wetlander. And then she said like you're searching for the like, chief or she's searching for her chief of chiefs. I didn't Correct. really get that. She like gave like the actual name for it, but I, I didn't exactly follow. So she's just out searching for and like she didn't even have a name for it. She was just like, no, she did. It's Karo Khan, right? Yeah, pretty much. Well, that, but like she just said the, the chief of chiefs, but she didn't say like what it actually like was. It was yeah, just like, it's no. like a myth. They're, they're they're searching for their chief of chiefs because like Kyle was describing the structures, each of them, each of the clans has like a chief, right? And then the chief. So parents, like, so parents, the chief. So that's it. Yeah. Of the wolf cool. brothers, maybe we'll see. Hell yeah. I'm in. Yeah, but that's kind of it's almost like so we've we've gotten more into prophecy talk in this season. That's kind of like their version of a prophecy is mm-hmm. like they're looking for this chief of chiefs. Oh my god, that's so cool! I didn't know that. Like, I thought it was like description yeah, of a get person. Get more into that. I don't think it's like a spoiler to mention that. I think it'll help you understand it more. Obviously, yeah. Prophecy is cool. the best way to think about it. But the other important piece here too that you should take from their culture is the i the idea of toe just owing somebody. Basically, they take that to the extreme. If you do some, if you do something for somebody in a meaningful way, like save them from being caged. Avienda says, like, I have toe towards you, parents. Or she's like, wherever you go, I go until I pay this back. It's a very important part of their culture. Don't necessarily know where it came from, but it's just a cool little gimmick for the Aiel that makes them even more fun because they take that to their heart, like, more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. They're, like, incredibly honor-bound. Like, even if it's your worst enemy, no matter what happens, like, if you have toe to someone, like, you have to fulfill the toe. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I have, like, just three comments mm-hmm. overall about parents thing and yeah i'm more uh, this the last scene so let them run um the one is early on 
I'm pretty sure Elias specifically tells Perrin, like refers to people as human. I just thought that was very interesting. He's wolf brother. Yeah. Yeah, but like they are he- like even though he's a wolf brother, he should still be human. I just thought that was an interesting word choice by Elias there. The second is just the dynamic of what's going to happen between the white cloaks and the dark side and like the eyes to die. Because we obviously see here that the white cloaks are against the Sean Chen, who we behind the scenes know are working for not, I guess, directly working for the dark one, but like are being kind of swayed into the dark side a little bit. The Aes Sedai are clearly against the white cloaks and the dark side. So it's just we have three factions that are all like fighting each other. Does this open up an opportunity for like collusion? Like, are the Aes Sedai and the White Cloaks eventually going to work together? That would be and crazy. Then take it back to the Dark One meet or the the Dark Friends meeting from the beginning, where you you did list all these important factions, and then within each faction, regardless of what their ultimate dark goal friends. is, there's Dark Friends littered throughout all of them, and that's oh, just the that's the, that's like great. the definition of Wheel of Time is something you have to remember that no matter what, like there's Dark Friends and there's good people everywhere littered all over the Brandland. Yeah, and then my last yeah, comment yeah. is that I just thought it was interesting on how Avienda was like very formal. Like it's just really interesting, like hearing about this like savage culture of people who can kick ass and everything. And then she comes off pretty formal, like she's constantly referring to Perrin by his first and last name, mm-hmm. and like the way she talks is very formal. It feels like it's just like you know, I was getting Jeff Chang vibes. You know, every time she's hey. mentioning Perrin, Jeff Chang. And I, I think th- I hope they keep that up because that's like a quirk too i feel like yeah, that, yeah. that was something that stood out to me and i hope exactly that they keep that consistency consistency with other ideal it's, it's interesting too that you use the word savage i feel like that again just reminds me of tom and that might be a racist one yeah that might be a racist no you're good it's something there. that they they mention in the books and stuff too is that like tom says people are afraid of them but because they don't know anything about them type of deal right he obviously has like a very maybe maybe not even positive outlook but like he's as a neutral outlook he understands their culture he knows that you know they are what they are type of deal well everyone else is like so anti them and then now you know we're actually meeting one having a conversation and she's like you said very formal she's very kind to parents she understands that she owes him a debt and she's willing to fulfill it so it's just interesting it's going to be interesting to get more of them and like see how their culture builds out all right cool 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 shout out avienda and parent oh and they're going to fall save that's the last thing oh and hopper's just there chilling and i like how she doesn't even comment on it he's oh, just they, there they do actually bury uno though right they do get that done not that we saw yeah not that we saw i don't they think le- he left them in the cage which i was like dude that was give, the whole point yeah okay. give me my give my boy some respects there well, he's, he's my MVP say, like, in episode three we gotta get out of here <laughs> okay so yeah child valda was coming you don't want to hang around child valda i think Uno would understand <laughs> yeah all right so we're gonna dip out of that storyline we're gonna dive into tar valon which is just going to be pretty much Varen. We're going to take all of the Wonder Girls and kind of Leandrin kidnap scenes and we'll work them into the Falm storyline because they make more sense there. They flow better. So basically, the initial scene for Varen is that she arrives in Tarvalon. I just love the little, like, for whatever reason, sneaky little entrance of like this, uh, I almost said hoarder, this rider on a horse with like the black cloak. And it's like, who's that? It's Varen. Um, so she meets up with some brown sisters. They have a little conversation, but she kind of just starts planting the seeds of like her actual mission work, which I thought was fun because she's like, I need the gossip type of deal. Don't know if we want to have any comments on that opening scene. Naomi and Jessica. Is that what Correct. I heard? Yes. I just I just think of Yennefer because it's Jennifer and Jessica just replaced with a Y. I just <laughs> yeah. cracked the fuck up. So much Yasker um, and Yennefer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a Y. But, I just love the idea. 
I love the idea that like they're hanging out in the headquarters is just like the library, like knowledge all around mm-hmm. them. That's just yeah. who they are. That's so getting cool. crunk. Gives she's them alcohol. That bottle. She, she's yeah. that bottle. She's like, yeah, can we pop that? <laughs> yeah. She's like, dude, fucking what's taking you so long? Bust that shit out. You've been holding yeah. it out in front of me for like forever. That was awesome. And she was just asking more or they were asking about, you know, how's the history of the world after the breaking, you know, tell us everything about how that is going. So that's cool that they're just bringing that in and people know her for that. That's like her goal. So that's nice. That was going to be my one comment is I love how well respected it seems that she is amongst like all the Aes Sedai. Like she comes in, people immediately like kind of straighten up a little bit. They're like, oh, it's you like you're here. Like, what are you doing yeah. here? And I just I love that people know her and that she's well respected because I have definitely come to love Varen. She's on our side. We've got that confirmation. Mm-hmm. So love her. Varen's the shit. And it's just cool that basically every conversation she has, maybe besides the initial one with the Browns, you can tell that she is based like one step ahead of whoever she's talking to. And she already did all the grunt work of the knowledge part of it before that conversation. And she's playing some manipulation games. A lot of the times, like with Shiriam and all that stuff. I just love Varen, And I feel like they're really showcasing how competent she is as a Brown. And it really like, I like when they're highlighting non greens and, and yeah, like we get Moraine as a blue, which is good enough for the blues. We know the reds are all bitches, kind of like Leandrin is like our our face of the reds. It's good to see some of these other colors because even in the books, we don't get a lot of like the whites and yeah, the grays. Oh my the god, grays, I like I, off the top of my head, I don't know if I could name you a single gray sister exactly, from the books. <laughs> exactly, they're, and they're cool factions. So I like when you yeah. get to see some of the other colors that we we're not like super used to. And you can choose your faction, correct? Like yeah. it's not like the sorting hat in Harry Potter where yeah. you're kind of all put into based off personality, but okay. Cause I was just thinking like for me, I guess because of the characters that we've had represent each color, like Leandre and red, I just automatically assume like, Oh, like all the red, like Luke was kind of saying there was like, Oh, all the reds are bitches. You know, they're, they're just like powerful, just like hate men kind of people. But if you can choose then that obviously mm-hmm. doesn't matter, but I mean, it kind of sorts you in that way. Like if you agree with the red's mission, right. And then, yeah, like, then you're eventually, kind of, you're, yeah, you're, you're involved in it. You get prop. I mean, I want to say propagandized because I'm team men over here. So <laughs> that's kind of, I guess in a sense, right. it works out in a similar way. You get, I pretty much get recruited, mm-hmm. which is an interesting like idea. People with similar personalities are going to just kind of gravitate Correct. towards similar. And then also places. skills come into play. Like if you are a great you're healer, right. then you're going to be pushed towards the yellow. Yeah, exactly. I just, again, agree with Luke. and I love the characterization of their doing of the Browns here. And then just this is the I think these two characters are good examples of kind of like how wide reaching they're taking influence into this adaptation. So like Yasuka, from what I looked up, is a character that you meet her in like book 10. So it's just cool that like we know she's out there in the world. She technically was alive and doing shit books one through 10. We just didn't hear about it. So it's just bringing her in here. It's just fun that they're obviously, you know, thinking about the whole show, the whole series when they're making these adaptations and changes. And then Naomi, I looked up and I didn't find a single Naomi Sedai. What I did find was that, so in like a community called Tarvalin, I think .net in like the early 2000s, which was like the OG home of Wheel of Time friends and community, like online, there was like a mod whose name was Naomi Sedai was like, whatever, like important prominent. She ran things. She was like at events and stuff. And I'm thinking wow. it might be a, an homage to like that, that woman in real so life. Cool. I know. Cool. So I just, I'm totally making an assumption here and potentially giving credit where it might not be due. But if it is that, I just love the idea of that. And I just wanted to give it a shout out. Well, I feel better because I didn't recognize any of their names and I yeah. was not going to say anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's no, funny. No worries. And you had just said too, that Varen isn't like a character really until book 10. No, no, no. Varen no, is. Oh. No, Yasuka isn't. 
Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, and like you're, you're, no, you were saying too how you like how, and you like how you were, they're like, they're kind of making these changes. Whereas in One Piece, like we get the whole Garp storyline and we're like, ah, fuck this storyline, you know? <laughs> well, you, <laughs> yeah, you can no, just think like about that. it that if they need to have characters, might as well give them names of people from right. the book and you can do that, those kind of switches. Yeah, yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Okay. So next variant scene is. You know, obviously a bit more meaty, a little bit of a bigger scene. Luke kind of let us into it a little bit. She goes and she pretty much surprises Sherium, who we've learned throughout a couple episodes, is the mistress of novices. So she's in charge of all the novices. She asks them about or ask her rather about Nynaeve, Egwene and Elaine. And her response is a bit concerning because she really doesn't know what the fuck's going on here. And I think there's a lot of like subtle wordplay that goes on here and like facial acting that tells us a lot about kind of this interaction here. Yeah. And it's interesting because like, like, I don't know. I was trying to figure out how to take <laughs> this lying? because, yeah, because I didn't know if she was lying or if she genuinely didn't know. And she was just trying to cover up and, and like, cause she was embarrassed that she didn't know where her novices were basically like she wasn't doing a good job is initially how I was taking it. Mm-hmm. And she's just like flustered because she's like, Oh shit, you're calling me out. Like, and I don't have an answer. And then she's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. oh, there it is. I see it now. Or she just fucking made that up on the spot. Or if she's in cahoots with Leandrin and that's why she was flustered. But again, I didn't. That was more secondary. I initially took it like she didn't know. But I got I, an answer later. Yeah, we could totally combine this with the next scene, which is us kind of getting you could say an answer, probably the leading hypothesis, because we trust Varen and her kind of deductive reasoning type of deals. So we get introduced to a new kind of concept slash weave, which is compulsion. So essentially, it's the idea that you can like use the one power on someone to do to have them do what you want, and they won't remember it. So that's yeah, that's exactly okay. what I was kind of taking it as. Because Paul, I was the same way with you. Like I was struggling to figure out like was Shirium is she siding with Leandrin or was she just completely embarrassed by the fact that she did a bad job? But I thank you, Kyle, for that clarification, because it did kind of seem like she was like agreeing with her at some points. Like, you're right. Like, this is weird that I wouldn't know mm-hmm. where they are, like all this stuff. Yeah. And it did feel like it was a mystery. So that clarification is great for me, because, again, hearing it from you guys is so much easier than, you know, having the show explain it with all their yeah. like the knowledge and how for. sophisticated they are. You know, it kind of maybe went over my head in the moment, but that makes so much sense. Um, my two comments are one, just if it wasn't obvious already, compulsion is as simple as it's Imperio from Harry Potter, right? Mm. Same thing with the memory loss being a thing. Two things that get brought up here subtly that I'm sure their names have already been dropped, but I'm just going to reemphasize the excuse was that Egwene and Elaine and Nynaeve were out visiting they're going to visit uh elaine's family in camelin right correct and they say uh gawain his name gets dropped i don't remember did they say his i don't want to spoil anything they say that who that was i believe they just meant that it's his name day ceremony okay not a spoiler that's ever down it's Elaine's. It's Elaine's brother. So that's yeah, one of the I things. I think they did say that because that's I think what they I was going to say. And then yeah. also at some point, I forget if it's in the Shirium scene, but they talk about Queen Morghese. That's her mother, um, because she's the what's God? I can't remember the. the she's the, the queen. Lo- no, no, no. The what's Elaine's title? It's the the she's heir, the daughter heir of Andrew. daughter heir. Yeah, the daughter heir. So she, this is Morghese is her mother. So just trying. You know, we're gonna get a lot of names constantly thrown at you. I don't know how much we're gonna see, but Queen Morghese is a big player in the politics of the world was Jessica in there just cleaning 
for her? No, that was she was doing that on purpose. Like Varen and her agreed to that plan where Varen would drag Shiriam out of the room. That girl in the opening scene that was cleaning was just a random novice. That was not Yasuke. That was not Yasuke. Okay. Yeah. That's what really fucking confused me. Because I thought they were yeah. the same person at first. She, so it's, that it's makes kind of, way more sense. Yeah, it's kind of, it's hard to tell because she's wearing the novice white, but she has like that brown kind of like overall apron over her. And like the, the Asuka yeah. and Varen are brown sisters. They wear brown. So it's the clothing means a lot in the White Tower. So yeah, I guess if you're ever confused, looking at what people are wearing, again, I've, you know, two river stitching. Again, they're they're keeping us reinforcing this idea of you can tell where someone's from or what they do from their clothing. The white cloaks. Haha. So, yeah. Ooh, Meditations um, of of the Kindling Flame. You guys uh, ever read that one? No, I actually no. never heard of it. But oh, okay, which probably because Shiriam has had it fucking checked out of the library for the past forty five years. The best part of that whole conversation was the the coining of the term Black Aja. Correct, dude. Alki was... and Dave were loving that when they were when they said it live. They're like, whoa, oh my God. Whoa, just, whoa, 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 whoa! I missed I this completely. What? You don't yeah, remember that, saying that? No, that's what like it's something that's like something that you could just probably make the assumption that they're probably called black ajas but like with the fact that they say it and refer to them as black ajas i'm like that's so that's tough i would totally be a black Aja. paul the context <laughs> was, she she was trying to baron was trying to figure out how shiriam wrote that but didn't actually do it and then they were saying like is it from compulsion and then the other brown says if it was compulsion then that means that you're saying that the black aja exists like, like there's sworn yeah, Dark the friends dark. Yeah. that are Aja. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. using compulsion would be against the three oaths. So anyone who was like a true sister of the tower couldn't actually do that because it would. She physically is unable to because the oaths would let her. Mm. So she has yeah, the power. Yeah, Aja there's Aja someone Aja. in here that can do that. So like yeah. they have to be Black Aja. They have. To I be am friend. pissed. Me and Dave didn't bring that up last episode about Leandrin using the one power on yeah, all the I, novices. I didn't want to feed it to you. Leandrin's also yeah. just been like lying pretty consistently. And I like I thought episode like two, you guys were going to pick up on it. And you were like, oh, I think her 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 ring looks a little black in that light. And I was like, OK, is he going to say? And then you literally <laughs> made the prediction, Paul. You were like, I think Leandrin's black Aja. I think it was episode three. And then last yeah. episode, Dave was like, oh, like she has a good reason to kind of work with the uh, with the Shamoyo. And you were like, yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I did backtrack. Dark <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's the point of a dark friend. You fucking work with the dark. <laughs> this is I. This is exactly what I was saying last episode is this show makes me feel so fucking stupid for just like so many obvious things. And I feel like I should just be predicting it's and yeah. all these listeners are out yeah. here just like loving this me being an idiot on on fucking podcasts. It, it was more like her relationship with Nynaeve that was like throwing me off because I thought she was like recruiting her to the Red Aja. I wasn't thinking at all about like she was actually trying to recruit her like ahead like two steps ahead like for to be a dark friend that's just crazy but well, we were also kind I mean, of like just i feel deciding, good a little bit yeah i mean i guess you a were there bit. i mean you, you could feel 10 out of 10 i feel like you should probably feel maybe 9.75 out of 10 the conversation, I, got, I got other ones other ones in here that i'll feel <laughs> oh, good yeah, sorry dave yeah. sorry you dave. do you sorry, do yeah no i was just gonna say the conversation it just feels like like we were there we were at the deduction but like i didn't want to fully commit to the fact that she was a dark friend i just thought that maybe for the time being it was like a temporary truce but i guess there's no temporary truce it's either yeah it's either you're in or you're out so let's talk about her because that's the last scene with varen and that's right here because leandrin comes back this is on the other side of betraying the girls and i'll just take a call she she just comes back varen starts varen confronts her about the missing novices and 
by the end of the scene, you can tell that Varen went into this conversation with some suspicions mm-hmm. and she was like trying to play some games there. Leandrin acting her ass off, but like how, how does anybody that's ever spent five minutes with Leandra know that this isn't just bullshit coming out of her mouth? Because the way she's like, oh my God, like we're going to go find, figure this out. Like we got to tell everybody. That, it's just like, Ugh. that's kind of what came to my head first off was like, why is Varen not being like, uh, you're acting a little weird here. You're not acting like your normal Leandra self. But then I also was, this kind of goes in the comments that I was saying earlier about how she's so well-respected. I kind of just thought that, you know, maybe it, it like she's quote unquote higher up than Leandrin or maybe like more experienced. And so Leandrin is more formal with her. Like, she, like how she kind of is with the omelet seat. I know she kind of pushes back with the omelet on the seat. same level of a step under a sitter, right? Yeah. It's, it's interesting because in the exactly. books, it's really about how powerful you are. So they haven't done it in the show and it'll be interesting to see if they don't where it's like, if say Dave, you've been an Aes Sedai for you know, a hundred years and I was a Gwaine. Like once I get raised and I'm like a full sister and like we go out on like a mission together, like I would have precedence because I'm stronger. Because a Gwaine is just more power. Yeah. So like power they kind of like matters. Yeah, they uh, maybe it wouldn't be exactly like that because obviously, you know, a hundred years difference is a pretty big difference. But like they kind of mm-hmm. settle themselves into like hierarchies almost of like physical or maybe not I guess not physical That's... strength, but strength in the power. I think though it the, the characterization of Varen is more that she's very intentional. She's very particular. She's very calculated. So it's like that intimidates she, other like, people. If she, yeah. If she calls out Leandrin right here, like, what are the next steps? Like, how do we like if if she's right in her head that Leandrin's Black Aja, Leandrin has no handcuffs on what she can physically do. Like Leandrin could just fuck her up right there, you know, yeah. type of deal. So yeah. I feel like Varen's very like like Luke said, she's two steps ahead. She's like, you know, she's taking in all this info before she actually acts on it. Mm-hmm. she seemed like she was trying to catch her in a lie um because you know if leandrin lies there it is that's what they she had that conversation with jessica earlier when first of all like pho- i forget what she calls it but it's basically photogenic memory like uh, yeah, photographic I memory idactic idactic did i just say photogenic memory it took me a second you only remember the really good pictures of yourself yeah yeah where you look really good that's super embarrassing i just said that photographic memory okay so one that's just really cool that that's a thing i mean i don't know if that's i mean it's the thing in real life too but i don't know it seems like it's more more common of a thing in this world i don't know it's more of a power than just photographic memory anyway seemed like varen was trying to catch leandra in a lie because like they said they were going hunting that breaks the oaths and the only thing that i could think of but it wasn't a lie was varen said to leandra you know i was hoping to talk to some novices um you know she says Nynaeve and Egwene, but all she says is you know uh did, did she say that she left with the envoy because i don't think she did all i remember was that leandrin says like oh i saw a royal envoy or i heard that a royal envoy going south was attacked maybe was that it? was them we need to hurry and was that varin catching leandrin because she didn't bring up elaine at all no i mean so varin gives her that info of like we're looking for whatever like she says all of their names no, Egwene and Nynaeve. She doesn't say she doesn't say Elaine. I oh. caught that too, Paul, because then Le- Leandrin says go. like she got me. No, yeah, like that was actually a lie in the way that the ver- the because okay. she never mentioned Elaine. I agree with you because they talk yes. about Nynaeve already being accepted. And then Leandrin says, well, we got to find out where the novices are. 
Like the, I yeah. thought it was going to turn to that where she was going to say, I never mentioned right. novices. I never mentioned two novices. That's what I yeah. thought it was, but I don't really, yeah. they didn't. But that's like it. a Varen type of like that. She'll file that one away type of deal. Right. Deal, yeah. Exactly. And it, it wasn't exactly a lie. It was just like making an assumption by Leandrin, I guess. So totally like that. Well, I know it was like it was an actual lie, but Varen can't call it out as an actual lie because she right, doesn't yeah. know that. So like she can't use that as evidence. But the fact that Leandrin said a royal envoy going south and Varen didn't bring up Elaine at all makes me think that that was her trying to catch her in the trap. Or at least now she has her in her sights more often because she's suspicious. It's a good while, call. While we're on this topic, can we just cover oaths real quick? So are they like just like a verbal agreement or are they more than that? So like we know obviously in season one, the omelet seat and rain more than that. Because was that an oath that the omelet seat and Moraine took that like when she got banished? Okay. It's, it's a terror. Yeah. That rod. Yeah. Spirit that stick. rod. Spirit stick is like they swear the oaths on that using the one power and the one power physically restricts them from breaking. Okay. The then my, okay. This might be a spoiler question. Then you don't have to answer it. But my next question was going to be then how would someone be capable of breaking that oath without repercussions? Like how is Leandrin capable? The dark friend, lying? brother. You got to be the dark a, one. That's a big old watch and find out. Yeah, that's what I figured. Because like, how is Leandrin able to do all this without oh, any a, like immediate repercussions of like, you know, oh, you lied. So now you're dead kind of thing. You know, it's, it's not. A, it's question. no, no. Yeah. OK, yeah. But let's leave it. But yes, I think you took away what you needed to from that. It's yeah, a physical true. thing. And if you can get around it, it means that you were. Yeah. OK. Yeah, something else obviously happened. Right. Yeah. White yeah. asparagus. I thought yeah, it was so funny when she's like, comment. Leandrin's like, yeah, I have this one experience, you know, that like is only from this one village. And Varen's like, yeah, yeah, that only buzzes this one time. And you can only get it. Yeah. She just like finishes the sentence <laughs> yeah. where she's like, fuck off. Bitch. She, <laughs> already, that was so funny. Perfect she already knew, perfect she already yeah, knew yeah. going into that. Oh, yeah. Way Leandrin's too calculative an alibi. Yeah. <laughs> Way too calculative an alibi. That was a good alibi, though, because she oh, probably yeah. used the ways to get to a random yeah. con- uh, spot and then just. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's just too good of an alibi. You could say. Yeah. yeah for Varen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No such thing as. That's a perfect coincidence for our gal. Those girls Aaron. are worth more than gold itself. Like, shut yeah. up, Landry. And you don't like, give a shit doing? about Let's anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You killed right. your novice last time. You were freaking training them. Jesus. Which I that wonder if that's like going to be a nice little pin comment. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, that was pretty much what my comment was going to be. Let's pin that because I feel like that death of this student is going to somehow like knowing this show, it's going to somehow be like, you know, maybe the second rebirth of the dragon yeah. reborn she killed. And then now it's ran, you know, something crazy like that. I don't know. All right. I love what you're thinking. I love what you're thinking. Okay. So if you're questioning, uh, oh my gosh, yeah. they talked about the one tower and at Le- uh, the one tower, the white tower and Leandra the and didn't mention the actual scenes with Nynaeve and them. Well, don't worry. We'll get there in our last storyline. Follow them. But before we get there, our second to last storyline, Rand and Moraine Sedai. Okay, so this is kind of a direct continuation of episode four, the ending, where it's like, we got to run. So they're running. This is Rand and Moraine, that is. They're fleeing the cabin in Kingslayer's dagger. They eventually kind of recruit a local farmer, we'll call her, uh, in their bid to put distance between themselves and Lanfear, who is pretty hot on their heels. So I think we talk about... Kind of everything up until like them actually like leaving and like Lanfear running on the road. So like we'll you know, they're running down the hill. We kill the horse. Leanne, I mean Landrin. Lanfear gets her own horse type of deal and she sets off. I think everything within those kind of two pieces of bread sandwich. One, I just, just love how calculated Moraine is. Like killing the horse. I mean, sure, it's savage and it's 
it's annoying because like Rand only ever sees like this kind of side of her. It's just like because he's watching like he obviously doesn't want to kill the horse, but she's like, we got to fucking do this right now. Otherwise, she's going to chase us. And Rand's like, no. So like, I just love I know I was saying in the last podcast, I think that that it bothered me how much like she's calculated and she's just like going and going whatever it takes. But like here, it's it's kind of funny, especially for Rand. But the one thing I took away immediately here is like as Rand is questioning Moraine about like what the fuck is going on, like there were looks on his face like he kept looking back at this, you know, looking for land fear, I guess. But to me, it seemed like, you know, he was devastated by the betrayal, but like he still does have feelings for her. And that was kind of it's really cool how they gave us those like facial clues in the beginning of the episode. And then where we end up at the end of the episode with him, like accepting that he's going to meet with her and talk about their relationship. Like, I just think it was really cool because I, I did right away. think like this guy is definitely not over Lanfear, even though she was literally just trying to murder him. Uh-huh. And yeah, we'll see. I, you're right. She's not even, we're not even getting a confirmation because there might yeah. be some feelings there, but I just thought it was really good, you know, facial acting by Rand to, you know, kind of show that he still was into land fear, even after all the yeah. events that just happened. And he yeah, still doesn't really trust that. Moraine, even after all of season one, what happened, you know? Yeah. That internal conflict for sure. That's pretty much Randall Thor internal conflict. Yeah. That's could be like a new name of the series for sure. All right. A few things here. I'm going to write them down the list. I don't know if I'm reading way far into this or not, but I when land fear was like healing herself and she had, I assume it was black because it's like corrupted. I don't know if it's still the one power or like a different source of magic. We haven't really gotten that. I'm not going to ask for clarification and put you on the spot, but it's either a different source altogether or like it still seemed like it was pulling on her surroundings like Moraine did with like, you know, obviously the earth and the air and everything around her, especially I think back to episode one, you know, when she takes the tavern down, she's pulling the weeds from the rocks and the stones of the tavern and everything like that. And it looked like Lanfear was like pulling on like the hardwood. And I was totally, totally probably reading way too much into that. But I was like, is that because it's wood and it's like yeah. the earth? And like, that's what she's <laughs> like. Pulling on the water to? moisture out of the wood. Uh, yeah. I was like, dude, I don't know. But like, it seemed like she was still pulling on her surroundings is what I was going on. Like, it wasn't just like some other crazy power. Um, I don't want to put any bumpers on your mind, but that might be a little too far if you're thinking if if she's like pulling wood and it's earth weave yeah yeah, okay i will retract on that aspect but it was more it's still is it the one power that it's just black because it's corrupted or is it a different power altogether that was like the main thing as a rookie watcher i'll try and answer your question yeah go ahead i I think it's i personally think it's different because we saw at the end of last episode those like invisible weaves that were going around her. And like, I felt like I was seeing those while she was in the healing process. And then that black stuff came out. I don't think that that black stuff was like corrupted weaves. Like, again, I think corrupted weaves are only going to be for males potentially. Again, I have no idea, but that felt like something different. Like, I don't think that. I think it's a different source, basically, is what I'm thinking, because it felt like way thicker. Like it felt like Venom's symbiote almost like it looked like Venom's symbiote from Spider-Man, whereas like the weaves that we've seen from Corrupted Men are like they're thinner. They're not as like chunky. I don't know really what I'm describing. Chunky. Yeah. Well, you weave so chunky. bro. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm thinking that that might be like some like reserve power that they have not 
related to the one source because again i the main Who's reason they? i'm thinking that uh landfair i guess like like they as in like maybe the forsaken re- can pull from something else that's not the one power and ju- the only reason and the only reason again i'm making that assumption is because i think the black is only supposed to be for men and i that's just where i'm at personally but if okay. you want to go ahead and, and i'm only asking that question. because i want to get like your official takedown in the right words basically i just think that black stuff that she was using was not the one power i think okay. that's maybe a side effect of we're on the board baby using. yeah that's it we're on the board. all right i'm gonna go on the board as it's like a forbidden technique or whatever because she's still using the one power later on when she's whipping the horse which is fucking awesome she makes a whip out of the one power and it's not that's black good. or anything like that so maybe like revival of the yeah fucking, that's like an that's another thing it's like i don't know we saw her do that and it wasn't black so i'm just i i'm thinking they're separate Dave, bro, you drinking champagne on the pod right now? Mm-hmm. Champagne beers, baby. We're oh, ready. we got two champagnes. Damn. We're actually going to need a third one, baby. Let's oh, go. Maybe I'll bring some champagne over after this. Oh, is that a little sick? Sure, that's getting tossed around. Tall boys, dude. Tall boys. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I freaking bought those swasty. last week, actually, now that I remember. You did. Yeah, like you. <laughs> Give me another beer. <laughs> no. All right. Um, okay. The, wait, wait, okay. Wait, you have another one? Okay, go ahead. Keep going real quick. I'm sorry. That was only my first one. And I said I want to go down the list. All right. Moraine killing the horse. Absolutely no reason. That was just that's just grinding my gears because of course that person comes up. I wanted her to just like slap the butt of the horse yeah, and run off. But that's it, process you could results right there. Yeah, I know. I like that it just shows her ruthlessness. The when she does blow up that dude's head and she's getting on the horse, she goes, Is there anything slower than a horse? And I'm like, all right, what are you riding dragons or griffins? <laughs> is that is that what you're like you want, you're just, you want to you want to take on shit? the board? Yeah, yeah. She's used to riding dragons or some shit, or like <laughs> riding dragons. Okay, so, well, yeah. yeah, kind of. She already did. Yeah, we saw last hey. episode. Yeah, two kinds of dragons. Well, so yeah, I don't know what she was referring to, but I was like, dude, horses are like the fastest fucking thing right now. Before you get into your next one, let me just give you credit for being right. We're gonna we're jumping a little bit here, but so you called that Landfear fell in love with the OG Dragon Reborn. Which, which we know we've seen the time period in which that dragon reborn was from they had like flying cars and shit i'm pretty oh, sure there so there okay. you go she was probably riding around in one of those fucking Great ghost take, whips Dave. yeah there that we go. makes so much but I'm giving, sense but i'm giving you credit paul because you fucking called that shit and i'm pissed again yeah. i'm just you're crushing you guys, i'm giving <laughs> you credit i'm giving you credit yeah that was a good get dave i wasn't even connecting that but yeah that was good but i'm still open to the idea of land fear riding a fucking dragon that'd be That'd be awesome. Another like a third dragon. Well, I meant like an actual dragon dragon, not like the dragon reborn. I mean, uh, well, yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah. already rode two of those, so the third <laughs> one is like a like a mythical one. Well, I guess they're yeah. all mythical. Uh yeah. I guess like a like a fireball, they can probably all be fire. If like one <laughs> that, comes, that has, has like scales and wings, yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, and that was about it. And be- <laughs> Because I was gonna say, list, brother. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say the whip and the one power. We're that's so just busy, cool guys. We're so busy. <laughs> just fucking busy, guys. All right. The one thing I, I want to say, I'm putting my yeah. take out there. Then you can okay, clean. Go. Oh wait, are you doing it? Are you cleaning up anything? Like lore wise, mine's a take. It has nothing to do. Yeah, with oh, oh, no, takes always take precedent. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just ready to officially put it on the board. But I am a diehard Landfear stand. I like. I've loved Celine. I liked her a lot. I like the actress from Peaky Blinders. She's great. But after this episode, I am a absolute diehard Landfear stan. She is 
in my opinion, even more threatening than Ishmael has shown us on the screen. Like she is like ruthless and Moraine goes on to later to say that she was known for her cruelty. And like, I don't know what they did with her when she, when the reveal of the darkness was there, maybe it's like the makeup or how she tilts her head, but she is scary now. Mm -hmm. And it looks fucking amazing. You could just tell in her eyes that she like flipped the switch when she stopped being Selena now as full land fear Everything she does is just just grips me now. Like I am so on give her, especially the last scene, which I'll I'll save some of that for the end. But I was like ready to jump through the TV screen with that last scene when Rand wakes up and she's just on the throne. Oh, I could I could rant about her all day. I I'll fucking love Lanfear. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all yeah. I wanted to say is that okay. I will um um I like Lanfear more than you guys. So. <laughs> I love it. I'll I'll slide into second place there. The the sound effect of her like using the power when like her just like so she has like her hand down on her side like that little circle like krillin's destructo disc comes up and that guy's head just pops out of existence the sound effect of all of it was legitimately perfect the first time i watched that's when i text you guys i was like i'm 10 minutes in and this episode is insane already we got to that scene i was like this must have been where kyle texted yeah dude i was like oh my god i didn't i just didn't expect them to get that kind of like graphic ruthless with it which is fucking awesome it was amazing you had ball I love the line where she Lanfears you're saying, you know, he's still so young. I I must remember that, you know, like he's he's acting irrational right now. He doesn't know any better though. That's because I can still forgive him and I can still love him. I just have that going on in the back of my mind. It's hysterical. Um and she's she, thousands of years old and he's yes yeah. what is he 18 i don't even know what he is yeah in the show. well she she says to him last episode like you're too young to have a past he's like well you'd be surprised <laughs> like not yeah. realizing that she has you know yeah thousands of years of a past basically yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also gave props to moraine you know she's more ruthless than i imagined using you as yeah. bait that chick that stable woman got mm. off a lot easier than I thought you would, you know, get your mouth sewed, get your I, mouth sewed together. That's it. You just, I think you just I would rather starvation slowly. Yeah, Dude, I think I would rather just cut it open. Ugh. I'd rather just <laughs> yeah, okay. I'd rather take the head popping. I thought she was going to die. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like she might die. Pop um, my head. But I, I just really quickly thing, again. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. We're getting excited. You're good. Just the thing is just again, how much how little effort it takes the forsaken to just do things is just so incredible. Like mm -hmm. what I'm thinking here is okay. Yeah. She flicks her hand. And again, this, this woman, this guy's heads pops off. And I'm just kind of thinking like if Moraine had her powers, like what I, she's already freaking out without her powers. Like even if she had her powers, would she even feel like that much safer? It just feels like it's such a threat. And like, we've never seen any of the eyes. I I said, I, except for maybe Leandrin, like come that close of like displaying power. But again, that was kind of relative because Leandrin was putting like novices in their place where like Lanfear is putting like actual Aes Sedai in their places. And that's an amazing takeaway because in my head, the Forsaken, they're doing a great job of showing you how crazy strong the Forsaken are. Like we're talking about Aes Sedai versus Aes Sedai, like the, the, the top Aes Sedai are like, you know, back and forth, but then you get to Forsaken, you jump 30 tiers. Yeah. Now like, like we're on talking the one about piece a mindset. different world here. I'm in the mind, yes. one piece mindset of like how the fuck is like our side going to catch up to this level of like the dark side right the power scaling does it's yeah. it's great because you didn't expect this i guess we just need yeah. to train Egwene and nynaeve to be fucking bosses because they are the only hope that i've seen so far for fighting the forsaken off and like oh, and they're not even hopes because like they're so young and inexperienced like they need don't to start forget elaine don't forget and elaine elaine you're and right. the dragon and the dragon yeah, yeah. but they're, still, regards, they're inexperienced and parents <laughs> The dream stuff is crazy, and it was a great on the rewatch. It's 
it's awesome when she says, you know, uh, they'll eventually they'll sleep and I'll catch up to them. You're just thinking like, all right, she's just going to ride through the night and catch up. It's like, no, we get the yeah. reveal afterwards. You know, Lanfear's able to infiltrate your dreams. And that's what she was known for. And that's why she was the most brutal. So uh, that on the rewatch was great. And also is just like, well, fuck, you know, it's just like Freddy Krueger. Like, that's one of the things you have to do well, every day. Doesn't that Are you also... like reading my notes? Because you're just pulling exact sentences and words out of my notes. That's hilarious, <laughs> Paul. But but doesn't this also make season one better when you think back to the first time of the eyes of Ember? Like that was Ishi yeah. doing this to a lesser capacity. And now, like when you go back and rewatch it, it kind of makes more sense rather than it just being a fantastical he, like visions. It's actually like a concept in Wheel of Time. And they're gonna keep getting more and more into the dream world. So I'm happy that we're finally talking about it because it's a huge concept. Because what did who described Lanfair as like the master of dreams or whatever? Like she has a mastery. Right. Of, okay. Yeah. 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 So before we get into Kyrian just to sweep up all of this on the road again type of scenes. Uh, just one thing I want to call out, one of many things I think I want to call out, just they obviously zoom in on her eyes as she's healing and there's like black things going on similar to the black power she's using. So there's they're obviously showing us that there's something going on here with her and how she's, she's using this power. Second thing is I love the fact that I don't think we've ever seen Rand kill anybody with his sword but moraine now has dipped it in blood twice in two episodes which is really funny because he carries it with him but he just doesn't fucking use it he he imaginary sheds blood within end of season one by stabbing himself very true yeah we literally only see him stab himself with that sword and it was in a dream that's also a good scene because of the dream stuff oh true yeah yeah oh my god and then we see her galloping down the road Paul called out the whip, which I loved. I didn't even mo- I didn't even notice it on the first watch through because I was looking at what I'm about to call out is that she's riding past and they zoom in. It's like it's like the left maybe quarter of the screen. There's just like a rock with a bunch of like old tongue inscribed into it. That's just like a little eggplant of like. I didn't think it we'll was going to be. I thought it was going to be. Plant. Are we going to get there? Yeah, I that's think a little, we might uh, not. A little one piece reference. We'll see. But it's just like that is an Easter egg. That's maybe we'll come back to this conversation. Maybe we'll not. But again, on long Dave's theme of this show just does this shit like that's a purposeful, very purposeful breadcrumb that it took up that much of the screen. It's very obvious that there's writing on it. Maybe we'll get there. I was confident enough that we weren't going to get it that that I thought we were going to talk about it. But you rather just wait. Yeah, I think we should. Okay, wait. okay, okay. That's fine. I'm I fairly confident like... based off of things I've been reading on the interwebs. Gotcha. Okay, I'll leave it. I feel like this is the thing that you were talking about, episode three or whatever, episode four, when you were like, they're walking through the woods and you're like, I'll riot. I'll riot if we don't see or get no. a glimpse of whatever. No, 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 no. That's not it. We're okay. talking not it. We're talking more epic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that stuff is is way more non negotiable. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the just this conversation they have here essentially Rand now finds out for the first time that he has not actually killed the dark one. So mm-hmm. that's, I feel like, quite the blow to his psyche of like, before this, we've mentioned where he's like, all right, I did it. I did what I had to do. Now I just have to manage not being an insane person and killing everyone around me. And now it's, we're literally back to square one, or even potentially square zero. Oh, no. Maybe, negative. maybe square negative. negative. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, we did negative work at the eye of the world. So he's yeah. like, holy fuck. Um, he, the the Forsaken Loose, he keeps using Lieutenant, which makes me giggle and laugh every time. But I'm pretty sure the subtitles say Lieutenant, which is just funny. And oh, then wait, so 
they're saying lieutenant, but it's not lieutenant. Yeah. They're just so apparently right lieutenant tenant. is like a is like a classic like fantasy way to say it. I have no idea. I don't they know. They say it in Malazan a lot. Like you're you okay. Could be a left tenant. Yeah. Well, I was there gonna say go. with this show too. Like, you know, are you gonna expect a right fucking hand tenant now? Like yeah. is that Lanfear? Yeah. Like the, <laughs> yeah, subtle, like the subtleties. I feel language like language yeah. matters. Yeah, language does matter. And if it's language the left matters. hand, I have a right hand personally. I don't know about yeah. you guys. So <laughs> all right. And then she kind of puts this idea into his head and subsequently our head again of the idea that Shamiel released Landfear. Maybe he'll release them all. And if he does, we'll have no hope, which is just fun because we know that one of his names is the betrayer of hope. So there you go. And mover of plot. So <laughs> moving in to we're actually in Kyrian. We already mentioned how Moraine said that Landfear is really good in dreams, master of the dream world. She actually drops the excuse me, the old tongue name of the dream world, which is has two apostrophes in it, which is Tel Iron Riyadh. We'll just call it the dream world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although, Dave, I'd love to see you spell it. And no, not that one. <laughs> that one, that <laughs> this is where I literally wrote, she's Freddy Krueger. So I like that Paul made that connection. That's like a very easy one-to-one -one kind of way to visualize it. And we get into, it's just like a lot of conversation going on at this point. We meet Barthanis, who we, we learn is marrying Queen Galdrian. I only really bring that up because I mentioned how I was like, there's usually there should be a king of Kyrian. But in the books, it's King Galdrian. So we have Queen Galdrian, not really against it. We'll see what happens there. But we've kind of put, now put a name, or I'm sorry, a face to the name of the nephew who's going to marry the queen. I don't know if we have any takes on Barthanis as a character. I don't know how Just necessary the, it is. The real pretty boy. Yeah, true. He's going to be king, basically. So obviously, I feel like they're setting him up to come back as a character. We'll see what happens there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it was just a whole weird aspect when he was like, I'm going to be your king, so I'm expecting you to be all good subjects or something like that. And I was like, was that a joke? Because I think it was a joke. It didn't seem like you got to laugh a little bit, brother. Like, I don't know. Sarcasm's not as apparent in this world, but I loved the aspect of Moraine distracting him from the blood by like complimenting him and calling him my liege as she like dips out i'm like just yeah, marine's just so damn quick man playing games dude she's a social manipulator but you actually i'll take it kyle just because it's the next thing that happens is we do get moraine and her sister in the room and this is the first time we get to see moraine vulnerable and i don't maybe ever i don't know if she's ever been this uh, vulnerable maybe yeah. with swan i guess not with bit. another person right and it was good to see because I feel like she's been she's probably on like on the lower end of the totem pole right now. And the general audience makes complete sense. She's kind of just been a mean to all of our main characters of her yeah, yeah, because she's thinking about the big picture. I'm always thinking about her thinking about the big picture. So I always forgive it. But it is cool that she like is lost for the first time. And her sister realizes that I think talking it out really helped. And then she was 100% correct in saying, if I make the wrong decisions here, everybody in the world, in the history of the world, can die. So like, I, the weight is is worth talking about. And I like that it's a reminder for viewers like, yo, like, you hate on Moraine all you want, but without her, we, we don't even get this far. Yeah, I feel like yeah. without this podcast, I feel like I, as a viewer, I would have needed to hear that because we on this podcast talk about all the time how she is literally just pedal to the metal she needs to get things going and so for us it's easy to remember that but you're right for the, the typical viewer they might just be thinking like oh, moraine she's you know she's being so mean to everyone why is that here we get that reminder when the future king introduces his mother she cuts him off real quick when introducing him to Moraine. yeah we've met i'm trying yeah, to bang him great. earlier that was that great was, 
I love how they just left it there too. There was no explanation of like, we just ran into each other at a party. It was like, totally was like, we could take that a different way. (laughs) One very small thing. Last episode, we were talking about whether or not Moraine ever visited her sister after she went to the white tower. We, it seems like we got confirmation here that she visited last time she visited was 20 years ago. So he was at least born by then. So she didn't completely abandon all these decades. So just some interesting information best scene yeah. ever yeah so they have this little basically uh Anvir, her sister convinces her that she can stay and there's another way to go about things this is when she kind of i guess has that epiphany also the last thing i'll say is that i mean i must be this might be a crazy take but her older her younger sister would oh yeah no absolutely i'll I'm back you would yeah i might i might, I might slap the one. uh the gilf acronym on her <laughs> absolutely just, so, I'm with you just on that one. just in you know in the interest of pure honesty i, I think i'm there I think we want to get real yeah. personal with our viewers here we yeah see. i mean <laughs> I, I really think i'm there shout out to her she's got options why would she go for you bro come on <sighs> yeah that's i mean that's true <laughs> that's true i mean we have like a super popular wheel of time podcast so like We'll, we'll help bring honor to the damage red name. I'll take her name so that it stays in the family type of deal. I have, I have things to offer. Dude, okay. The way she pulls apart Moraine right here, she's like, dude, I know you. You don't have a plan. You always have a plan. You don't have a plan. You're freaking the fuck out. She would look at you and just tear you apart. Well, yeah, she <laughs> just wants to. She can, she can dominate the relationship. Like, oh. She would look at me and be like, oh, that is the left-hand man of Ishi right there. So, <laughs> gotta get in with him. She would probably kill you? Okay. No, no, she would love me. My power. <laughs> so, speaking of Moraine's plan, we now learn in this somewhat final scene, it is the final scene of their, oh, it's the final scene of the episode, too. Wow, double final scene. That her plan is basically, hey, Rand, go act like you love this woman. So, he's going to fall asleep. He's going to try to convince her that he still loves her. And maybe he does in real life. Who can say? But that's kind of the big plan is like, all right, we're going to go to her instead of just waiting for her to come to us. I love how I'll, this will be my initial take. We'll talk about everything afterwards. Just love how it's it's your chance. It's your choice, Ran. I mean that this time, which is just like a really fun little like nod to everything that's happened between them. I really like mm-hmm. that. This is so, so we're going to talk about this scene, then the Forsaken scene, and then the final scene. No, I think we can talk about the final wheel dream here oh wheel dream because he was definitely tied to a wheel what does the forsaken conversation fit in then fom of in the in the teller in the dream world yeah okay all right then just in general I'll, i'll throw some thoughts out there for this but yeah like you pointed out a good part there but one thing that moraine even says takes it a step farther confirming paul's theory about the dragon reborn and lanfear the original dragon reborn or the last dragon reborn and lanfear being a thing and she he actually loved her back until he met his wife which i don't think we have a name for yet and then that broke her heart so bad that that is what actually caused her to go to the dark one side which great little subtle lore there kind of explains her whole character and then it really really escalates with this next scene but i'll i'll wait until you guys say what you want to say. Yeah. I mean, just to go back to Moraine and her sister talking, when Moraine finally comes out and saying, you know, Ren needs protection and I can't provide it. Her sister's so good. Like, oh, my much older sister gave me advice yeah. one time, you know, and she goes to the whole thing. And then Moraine eventually is like, it's good. Excellent advice, wasn't it? It was very excellent. <laughs> yeah. yeah it I just like love you. Moraine. Yeah. Just tooting her own horn. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> Um, just phenomenal. And the reveal to Moraine was given to Rand. All that was so good. And 
I'll just, you know, say it. I have never been so jealous of Rand when he was just shirtless tied up and Lanfear was <laughs> just staring at her. I was like, you look incredible up on that throne. Dominate me. I don't care. Like, that was just, she looks so good. She was finally. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Dude, I did not see that. I I was saying like when you're when they're doing the close in on Rand's face, like the actor, and he's closing his eyes, and he's about to wake up. I thought it was just going to be Landfear like standing over him, like the Haunting of Hill like House, or whatever. I was like, I was like, open your eyes, be there, be there, be there. And then what it turned out to be, I was like, this is the best way ever to end an episode. Like this is one of the only things that could have happened to end it like this. That I was like, whoa, this this might be up there with last episode is best of the series. Like these two episodes for me are probably my favorite of the series. I got two words for you. S tier. Let's fucking <laughs> go, baby. It's S tier. We're jumping the gun, baby. Bottom of the S tier from oh, here, dude. dude. This, this episode, I really do like, I mean, we have more to talk about, obviously, yeah, but yeah. I just this episode really opened my eyes and just this episode I feel like was is what <laughs> was it this one or the last one? All of them, but this one just doubles <laughs> just down on like this is like wheel of time. Like the the subtleties, like the world drops that we get like early on in season one that come back here. We get I still get surprised and like twists every three minutes here. Like I just, the show is incredible. <laughs> like, I don't know what this conversation is going to look like. I don't know oh, if they're just going to hate mean, each other by the end of this, or are they going to just start fucking on the wheel? Like, I, yeah, <laughs> Rand says, Rand says, way. you know, everything between us wasn't a lie. There was something there. Yeah. And you can tell, like you're saying, he was looking back, like he actually gave a shit. He was pissed at Moran for killing her. So uh, he was definitely feeling something, especially because he was given this th- fact that you're the first person to not view me as a monster and all that fact. So there was like a certain, I don't know if it was grooming, if he could just blame that all on her grooming him for a little bit, but there was something there. And did you guys get um Ragnarok Hel- Hella? Oh, I, that was like my first thought. Absolutely. And then Better I kind of Hella. Yeah. Hella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she then looked my, exactly like that. Exactly. Yeah. And then my other thought was everything everywhere all at once when like there were rocks basically in the middle of fucking nowhere yeah. that's kind of also the scene that i was picturing but yeah oh definitely. that better be opening scene of episode six is that or else why even have this episode i will i will ah, bet that, feels that like a little is. teaser no i feel like it's gonna be it it's gonna okay. open it's gonna all right is that a take put it on the board i'm gonna write it down put it on the board that's the a... ravel 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 <laughs> okay so this is gonna be our last opportunity to talk about anything Rand marine land fear it seems like we got it all out out of our system i'd melt if i was in the same room as her <laughs> she would probably do it herself she would love to just watch the skin melt off your bones and just in right. the vibe of just locker room talk since you guys were allowed to say the guilt thing am i wrong that she got hotter when she became dark like this okay. oh my god yeah. oh, oh hell yeah okay yeah she just, that level like, of confidence yeah, the- eyeshadow just oh, goes up a bunch, like threefold, which automatically we're makes you hotter. Same thing threefold, with her- bro. You talking about the threefold land? <laughs> Hell yeah! I'm thinking <laughs> totally, totally on purpose. Crazy is definitely hot. I just immediately think of Azula. <laughs> just from wow. Avatar. I love it. Avatar these comparisons are on yeah. point. Yeah, and if you're evil and crazy, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm ready. All right. The final bucket, the final location, the final storyline, the final battle. Oh, my God. You like that? We'll get there. So, Falm, this opening scene is going to be we're taking it back. We're going to turn the dial down a little bit of our intensity and our passion because we get Lady Sarath, who was the woman that was on the palaquin when we were in Atuan's Mill. So She returns to Falm. She returns to a very muted, intense court, I would say. And we're introduced to her superior, 
So we were kind of stumbling over like how high is she? Is she the empress? Is she not? Is she the queen type of deal? So we meet a superior of hers, which is High Lord Turok. He is the royal commander of the Helene, which means forerunners essentially in the old tongue. And we also see a very familiar face who steps That's out of the crowd. So yeah, obviously everything open as always in this scene. I know, I think what I know we're going to start talking about, but we can talk yep. about all of it. Let me just say that all I needed was one scene of Pat and Fane to have him back in the top three. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even say anything, but he did whistle and that yeah. got me going. Yeah. I just need to yeah. see his face and he's back in the top three favorite the characters. Man. I love him, but no, seriously, like great scene, Pat and Fane again. And just, again, we're coming full circle with this. Like what were they planning on doing with the Horn of Lear at the end of season one? Here they're trying to make i'm assuming they're trying to make a truce with you know this this person who has this i'm assuming has this huge ass army like that's very capable we've seen the sean chen in action so clearly very capable um and he i I think it's interesting that they're actually willing to give up the horn to give it to this person rather than just hold it themselves i'm sure that'll come back around when we get there but Great scene, Pat and Fane, and this new guy. I just thought it was funny that he also, High Lord Tarak, also had long fingernails. I think that's just hilarious. That that's yeah. I guess if you're superiority in in this town, you just have long fingernails. So, so and the fact a, they executed the fingernails. Yeah, too, funny. just a comment on that. He does say, or he says through his voice, that like you know you you're allowed back when you're more presentable. I took that as you're allowed back when your fucking fingernails are back. Grow back, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah, this scene was great, except four fingernails up and four fingernails down, and nobody died. Yeah, Kyle, we were talking about that. Maybe, maybe <laughs> because they were like slightly crossed, and her wrists were reversed. Maybe I'm making excuses for her, but I was yeah. a little pissed the inconsistency of the fingernail movement. Um, I thought it was pretty crazy that he, being Tarak, spoke when. Pat and Fane introduced the horn, you know, because obviously it's a huge thing. He doesn't speak. He has his dude to do it for him. But as soon as Pat and Fane came up with that, he spoke before they could even finish a sentence because he was so excited um, and so happy. Uh, the entire time with the fingernails and he's operating the box, all I could think about is, I got 10 people on hold, but I can talk <laughs> from fucking family guy with the fingernails. When he's like, yeah. Yeah. When he's the secretary, uh, <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of because, like, he was struggling with that box, and and they didn't show us the horn, and I don't know if they know what the horn even fucking looks like. So, so what is we got a glimpse? Bit, of it. We did get oh, a okay. little bit of a side glimpse, and that was going to be one of my comments. Was it actually looked pretty cool? But I'm happy that they're going to save the reveal for a future right. date. But I think so it's you're not like that is like Paul like. It's not maybe a known thing what it looks like. They could have easily presented something that wasn't the horn. Fake money in a briefcase, yeah, yeah, basically yeah. is yeah, like it's a phony, big fat phony. And there's no way so, for us to know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, there's no way for anyone. even like book and readers. Kinda, like we don't know. Yeah, this, yeah. this this whole storyline's a little. That kind of goes different. into what I was just saying about like why would they want to present the horn to this random person rather than just like holding on to it for the dark one and just like holding on to it and just knowing that it's not with the the dragon reborn. I, so we'll see. Well, isn't it and, because it bought Sarath like not like a death penalty or something? Like what was wasn't it a gift to make sure or what did I miss? A, what, no, what was, it was nah, a I gift, mean, I, but I don't Gwaine, know why it was a gift. more. I feel like of the. I guess they're both gifts. Like why did I, he, I, mean, yeah, I, think, okay. I think we'll find out. I mean, obviously it like happens in a different way, but I mean in the books, Pat and Fane gives it to him. Yeah, I just don't know. 
but like Ishii's not involved to this is like and was this a way to like absolve Suroth of some of the issues I think it's more of a on? way of like so we learn a little later on towards the end scene that like Turok is not I mean he at least he's not presenting as a dark friend he literally says that like the Sean Chan are guided by the light to fight right. the dark so I'm thinking of it as a way of like yeah obviously they have Suroth on their team but Suroth's kind of nothing compared to this guy so like they prefer to butter this guy up and he says, with this, the whole world will be ours. So that, again, yeah. more clout for the Horn of Valir, even if it's the, not the real one, like you guys are saying. But either way, the Horn of Valir is legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting. I just, there's been, I feel like a lot of book deviations, but we haven't even brought them up because I'm not thinking of them in the moment while we're having these conversations. But this, like you said, is is somewhat of a DV. I mean, one of the big things in the book is that, like, they don't fucking know how to open the box. I thought it was funny that he just, like, just, just as a book reader, because I'm thinking, like, oh, they, he won't be able to open it. And he just, like, opens it. And I was like, oh, my God, okay, they know how to open it. <laughs> so that was just a funny thing. Also, Fom looks way different than I pictured it. I feel like there's, like, a huge palace there, which, in my head, it was always just, like, a little dirty fishing port village. So. Mm-hmm. I think it looks cool. The it's, setting looks great. It's though. very it makes it look more powerful, and it's it's cool because you can tell we're in a different part of the world than where yeah. Rand and Moraine are. That's it's like a that's deserty, cool. but also like tropical vibe to it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind living there. Would you in live the, there? under the Shanshan? It's like the uh, where the they're, they're too terrifying. They're well, like freaky. I mean, even if the townspeople might think they're good, I would just look at them and be like, these people are easily evil just one by how presentation looks. Speaking it, of sw- yeah, swearing oaths, um. Sorry, Luke, were you going to say something? No, 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 go. We're more important, Paul. Just get your thoughts. Obviously, <laughs> I speak way too much. But at, at the next scene when Ishii and um, Sarath, Sarath, I have Sarak for some reason because it's probably Don't Turok. hate that. Sarak. Yeah. with Turok. Yeah. yeah. Sarak. Yeah. All right. So uh, they are talking and she's pissed at him because she literally looked back at him during before she got her fingernails chopped off and, and he was the one that was like neil just do it just go along with it so obviously she's answering to him she's pissed um she's paying the price even though Ishi is the one that needs her for her army and her ships in the war to come she tries intimidating him and immediately yeah. she's like she oh rolls, for, yeah she rolls yeah. a critical miss <laughs> i forget myself my lord yeah. but this is critical where she miss. said she like swore her oaths to the dark so there's constantly the the, the idea of oaths there's the ice die oaths there's the oaths at the swan chan sean chan not swan chan sean <laughs> chan like they make you do the oaths as well they're they seem less like binding and they're just more like yeah you're one of our people now but now there's like oaths to the dark as well so i want to know what that is so i don't i don't know that just seems like obviously a big part going forwards otherwise Saying an oath means nothing in if you can just break it easily, but obviously there's more to be uh, revealed, hopefully at least. And then last thing, he looks at like her broken fingernails right before she walks away as like a mid, basically a middle finger, like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, oh, check these little babies out. Like how short they are, you loser. I just think it's interesting that Sarath, in, when she was in jail or whatever that was, um, like talking to Ishii, saying, you need my armies. And this kind of counteracts what I was talking about is with them presenting the horn um, to Tarak because I thought it was a presentation to him to get his armies, but she is like explicitly saying here that it is her armies. So now I'm kind of back to ground zero of, okay, why are they presenting the horn to Tarak? If maybe there was a way to bypass, like if we didn't need him and we just needed Sarath, like, we would just take Sarath. Like we wouldn't need Sarath, but there's a reason why we're presenting the horn to him, if not for his armies, because we already know Sarath has him. So 
just like where are we at here with like what is Tarak's purpose in all this? You know, that's the one I'm basically yeah, asking. I don't think we can give you any answers. No, I, yeah, it's just kind there. of yeah. I, I like shouting things out into the void. But it's not even course. like a it's 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 more of a deviation from the book thing than rather than us having an answer that we're True, holding that, back. Yeah. I feel like it's a it. it's like a way to interpret what she's saying. Like I feel like Varen maybe she interpreted in a different way. She yeah, also I, her I think it's might... more of like a like an unreliable narrator type deal. I've said that a lot, but of the idea, like I feel like she's thinking steps ahead, where it's like we're going to remove Tarak, like that's going to be my spot, that's, and then they'll be my armies, yeah, yeah type of deal. Thinking. Yeah, that's the way I took it. I don't that that's not a spoiler. I think to talk about that because no, again, that's how I'm I took not it. Really too. Sure, what will end yeah. up happening either. So that's how I took it. To to yeah. my two comments for this these scenes, we kind of hit everything that I wanted to talk about, but the one was you get a glimpse into how we were talking about earlier with Avienda's culture and like the, the Aiel, like you get little glimpse of how they talk and things that are important to them. Same thing with the Sean Chen here that I took a, I wrote down a quote that I'll say in a second. That's what Robert Jordan excelled at. And people really love about the wheel of time is when you're in different areas of the world, you know, it, you know, it really well by their clothing that he overly describes the way they talk, <laughs> their traditions, you know, the culture is like so distinct and it's very unique. Like a lot of, fantasy nowadays is copy and paste of like you know whatever it is but this is where he hot where he shines and one of the things that she says here is you may be chosen but you are not of the blood that is yes. a complete sean chen thing that they care so much about like the purity of like the blood and, like who you're i don't want to say related to but you know what i mean like your blood it yep, matters so that's just like a little thing and just pay attention because the sean chen are different from the aiel who are different from the two rivers who are different from the Aes Sedai. like everybody is very unique that was the one piece and then the thing that Ishi says, <laughs> nice. the thing it's that Ishi end. says here is that Tarman Gaiden will be fought here in Falm with the real dragon. I, so that was just hype, like just build up. So I did have Paul. that. I did have that note uh, at the very end. I was going to bring that up. She, he said, correct me if I'm wrong, like we will win the last battle here and the dragon will join us. And I had Tarim Gaiden. Tarman. Is that what it was? Tarman. Tarman Gaiden. Yeah. It just means the last battle, right? It's just the last battle in the old tongue. Yeah. So Hell yeah! That's like, and then I mean, they literally mentioned that. That's like kind of it'll end up being like winter is coming from Game of Thrones. It'll always be yeah. like you know Tarman Guide and like the last battle type of thing. I'm glad gotcha. you brought up like then, not of the blood thing, Luke, because at first it was kind of confusing to me because I think the first time that that gets dropped is in the conversation between Ishi and Sarath. So she is telling him that he's not of the blood. So I'm thinking like, okay, is she a direct like descendant of the Dark One or something like that? But then you made it clear as well as the show like kind of going in saying like that's more of a cultural thing rather than like yeah yeah, rather than her calling out ishi for not being like part of the dark one Mm -hmm. and they mentioned um they mentioned luther pendrag i'm just gonna like i'll make that connection for you it's more like about that like it's he's like the head of their kind of culture historical mythos type of deal and next back to the return if you guys remember that concept yeah they'll reinforce all these things but obviously i think it's beneficial for us to also reinforce them outside of the show because they don't want to just smack you over the head like like we are right now. The one comment I'm going to make is that he says, written in the skies above the city, Paul. So I know you were excited about the idea of the dragon in the sky. So I just wanted to call yeah. that out for you. And yeah, then now I'm reading my notes again of like how we're saying like what she's thinking about like my army's type of deal. And he she says like we should just kill Turok. And he's like, yeah, you fucking imbecile. Like, you're not thinking deep enough type of deals. So there's a plan beyond. Like, she knows there's a plan kind of beyond what's going on. So I think that reinforces that idea. And the scene ends with him saying, I got a present for you. 
And we're going to get right into that present kind of on the way in the mail, in the UPS, aka the ways. So they gave us the little ways teaser in the beginning of the episode, which was like, okay, you know, red alert. We're gonna, maybe going to get the ways again this episode. It's Leandrin kind of dragging the, we'll call them the Wonder Girls through the ways. And then her and Nani have just a conversation here. Again, Paul, we're talking about the oaths here. We get background on the oaths as well in this scene. Yeah, that was awesome. A thousand years ago, a king made them bind themselves to the oaths because he was scared of their power, which, you know, got to have some limitations, right? Smart of that king. Hopefully, we learn a little bit more. I just, I just like the history behind it and why everything is like it is, especially because, you know, 3,000 years ago, they had, you know, different, I guess they didn't have oaths back then because, you know, if the oaths are just a thousand years old, those are a new thing. So it's just like an interesting thing. If you like the about. lore, man, I have uh, 14 books I can recommend you. Yeah, yeah. Be interested. Yeah. You have some too. I got them all right here. The fact that Leandrin has broken many more of the oaths and just lying. Again, Dave is kind of talking about that. How do you get rid of the oaths? Or I assume it's something to do with the dark or the dark one or some of his power and he can like save you somehow or take the oaths away or something or other but just looking forward to that because you know you got to have rules otherwise what's the point and just the realization of Nynaeve that Leandrin was recruiting her not to the Red Aja but to like the dark the whole time that's mm-hmm. just you know it was kind of eye-opening and then on the rewatch it's probably going to do really uh, I'm just going to respect it more all the conversations they have together because like I that's- said Nynaeve like Leandrin was the first one to make Nanif smile after she came out of the arches. So there was some type of relationship there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's the beauty of Wheel of Time, the old rewatch, the old reread. Yeah. I don't know how much I'm bought into Leandrin being a black Aja. Like she might be a double agent of some sort. That was kind of something that <laughs> I me love and Alki, hope that you yeah, guys that was, for her. That was kind of me and Alki's talk is like, is she a double agent? Because she does, you know, she lets Nanif go, but is that also just a way for her to just cause chaos for this girl who, you know, has been calling her out for these things. Just something I'm asking out yep. there. But what triggers like Machin, what is it called? Machin Shin? Machin Shin. So they mentioned it's, it's the channeling power. the one power. Yeah. So, oh, so when you channel in the ways that would trigger Machin Shin to appear. Yeah. And what caused it in the season one, uh, like episode seven or six or whatever. No, it wasn't. It, it was, I think it was oh, Moraine trying to reopen the door and because no, it was she, ran. It was Ran. What did he do? Ran, Ran he... saves Egwene from the Trolloc and he right, channels. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, but we don't even know it. I'm we don't know at, my... the, at the time, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes from that episode and like the one thing I have is Perrin is able to see in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sweet summer child. Yeah, I wonder why that was. Because <laughs> he, um, he got a trollic wound on his leg. Yeah. <laughs> Transforming into exactly, a werewolf. Exactly. <laughs> Quick question here. Um, So the fact that the three of them are shielded and bound like moraine when she did it to her when you just get shielded like a stronger person does it to somebody lower that's not actually casting anymore it's just one cast to shield them and then that's it it's not a continuous one because otherwise she would be using the one power in the ways they're not shielded at this time from my knowledge she says you're bounded and shielded okay they must have been because Egwene and elaine would have been a problem yeah and then i guess yeah she essentially ties off but i guess they're not like they don't know how to use the power enough in the in the way that low gain did so like they didn't yeah i Wait, guess that's so, maybe potentially a, i don't want to say a plot it, hole but it's either a plot hole because technically like when they shielded low gain they all needed to do it continuously so that was my question because she's literally 
using channeling inside the way. So it's either she learned how to tie it off from, you know, Ishi because she's obviously working with him or that was just like, it didn't make sense to me at all. I so, forget about the, my interpretation is going to be that she knocked them out. So I'm assuming it's easy to shield someone who's physically incapacitated. That's how I'll take it. That's they were unconscious. She placed a shield over them. No, but plus, plus the idea that Leandrin is, I mean, all of the Aes Sedai women are way weaker than Loghain mm. compared to Leandrin. Yeah. Like that could but, be part of it too. I don't really know. I don't I'm just, thinking, I mean, the girls are strong as he is. Yeah. Our, I just listened to our season one finale coverage of it. We're really, really funny and smart and <laughs> handsome sounding. Um, but like you were going on the fact that the fact that Ishi who was the dark one at the time, whatever, could tie a knot and keep that shield on was just my, like groundbreaking at the time. I said I didn't know how to do that. So, okay. you know, it's either Leandrin learned how to tie so they continuously stay shielded or like i don't know it doesn't make sense anymore because it's like a it, it's a product of single casting versus continuous casting if so that this makes part sense. is slightly accurate to the book i can't remember what happens though because this is so long ago. in the book they're not they're not knocked out like they go willingly right okay like landron's I- like this is this is a mission like we need to go and they're like okay it's just guesswork, Paul, at this point, so we yeah. get more information about either shielding or tying off weaves because we don't know what the show's going for. But you're right. It's something that I didn't think about it until you just brought it up, but it doesn't. It isn't perfect. You're right. This is the perfect opportunity to plug our YouTube comment section. If you have a better take, mm-hmm. hit us with it. All right. And they will. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well I, well, I would hope so. Jeez. So we exit the waves. We are greeted by Surath. Is our little Sean Chan greeting party, helmetless Suroth, which is interesting. She's just showing her face out in public, and she doesn't have her little voice with her, which is just funny because she gets in a little bit of an argument with Leandrin, and it turns out that maybe that wasn't the best idea because of what happens afterwards. But I think we'll just talk about obviously. I think you know we'll talk about everything before Nynaeve and Elaine enter Falma later on their own. Just kind of this whole quote unquote battle scene we mentioned earlier that Leandrin kind of. Let's ninety three. We can talk about why we think she did that. Everything before she releases Nynaeve? No, I think everything like, you know, she walks in, they have the argument, she releases Nynaeve, they have the little fight, Egwene gets captured. Okay. Sarath's design was very interesting. I actually when she took off the mask, I don't I don't know what I was expecting, and it wasn't that. I kind of dig the hairstyle a little bit. It's pretty fresh. Or lack thereof. Of. Yeah, I guess lack thereof, yeah. Um but to Leandrin is just a case, man. I don't know what her fucking plan is, man. I think she genuinely the reason I think she let Nynaeve go is yes, there's obviously a relationship there between the two. Like I think they are they wouldn't say this, I think, in the moment, but I think they're friends for the most part. And <laughs> I, I think, think Nynaeve's out on that. Probably, but I, I think maybe also part of it was that Leandrin again just wanted to cause chaos like this this Sarath was just talking so much shit on her and I love the line that Leandrin hits her back with is like you'll bend the knee to me or whatever she says right there it's I think yeah. that's so hard um but I it's 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 crazy because I mean Leandrin we've seen her betray obviously the ice die and everyone but now we see her kind of clashing with people within the dark ones like armies. So I really don't know where she's at. And we haven't really even gotten a confirmation that she even is a black Aja. Like I'm looking for the ring. I'm looking for like a get up or some sort that's dark or like black related. And there's nothing. My guess is going to be 
double agent. It's going to be a, I don't know. Okay. It's so simple, that, but... I'll put that one on the board. Yeah. Crisscross, double, double agent. Um, kind of. I mean, just because they're working together doesn't mean that Leandrin likes the actual person. And, you know, she does kind of want to see, you know, uh, her get knocked down a peg. So by releasing Nynaeve, Leandrin's giving her the ability, Siroth, that is, to just, like, get embarrassed and literally probably lose favor with Ishii and the higher-ups because she's causing issues now um but a few things one leandrin saying what you do to these women is an abomination mm-hmm. paul was pretty... right number two paul was right number two here because i'm pretty sure you called it right like why like how they force these women to do yeah you know, kind of yeah, yeah kinda. Uh, i'll give you i'll give you, you yeah i'll give it to you i mean you said land i didn't know if we got love in this one confirmation a hundred percent or not but i i okay it seems like it yeah they take these women because that's what they they force them to channel and we got a lot of that going on as the escape happens and it's great because it almost seems like each channeler has like a handler if you want to call it that with the gauntlet on and they're just mimicking the moves that they're doing so by doing that they can kind of use their source of the one power but control what they do with it so i don't know just a really cool concept going overall but i just like the fact that leandrin's character stays true to the fact that you know what you're doing to these women is an abomination and horrible these women should be free to be able to channel by themselves so i'm working with you not because i like you and like what you stand for it's because i need something out of it let me take a crack at some of this lore, Kyle, then you clean up what I missed because, Paul, so the term that you're looking for for the handlers is the Suldan. She goes, Saroth goes on to say, like, the whole purpose of this of this initial part of this scene is it establishes the rivalry of the two, quote unquote, dark friends, we'll say for now, between their thoughts on the power, right? Mm-hmm. The, t- the name of this episode was called Demane. Demane are the names of the baby benders that we're saying with the binkies. Mm-hmm. Suldan, mm-hmm. Suldan, right? Suldam. It's with an M at the end. Suldam. Suldam are the ones that are controlling the baby benders. And what Saroth goes on to say is that the Suldan trained for years to have the right to control the baby benders. I'm going to keep saying that because it's the alliteration just sounds great yeah. off my lips. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the terms. And it's a little they threw a lot like I was listening to it and I was like, this all obviously makes sense to me and Kyle. I'm looking yeah. at like uh, like Alki and Dave. They go on to talk about Damane, like being the, the baby benders. But then they also say Marath Damane. Which is the name, Kyle? Am I going too far here with talking about what that means? No, you're good. Okay, cool. Because I didn't want to. I don't. You could just pick it up from the implications of what she's saying. Is she calls Leandrin a Marathamane? It's the name that they have for Aes Sedai specifically. Demane yeah. just means who, like unleashed ones. Yes, yeah. So that's why she's saying like I'm going to put a collar around your neck and make you a, a Demane, like you're a Marath Demane, whatever. That's like the whole terminology that they have going on. And I'm hoping that the more they talk about it, like the more obvious it is. But that was like the whole purpose of that. Sorry. So just quick summary. So Demane are the like baby they benders. can baby, baby benders. benders, and then there's holders that also can channel, but they use that's no. not what they said. Yeah. yeah, they 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 do the movements, but like. If you see, like, uh, back when we were fighting at Atuan's Mill and kind of here, like, they do the movements, like Paul's saying, but there's no power, like, coming out around them. It only comes out around the baby benders. And skipping to the end because of the if episode. They, if they yeah. could channel, they would be in chains. The, anybody that they find. And who is, who is, like, what is it an honor to be? A holder or a. It's holder. an honor to be a holder. Okay. So yeah, if you remember you're, you're back, like you're bending them to your will, you're training them, even though they have all this power, like they're obedient to you who 
theoretically has no actual like physical like one power power what you're supposed to take away from it is the sean jenner uh, if you want to use the word racist towards towards channelers or like they just they encapsulate them and or they enslave them basically even though they say it's like it's being racist from our perspective for them it's like an well, I guess they're saying the holder is an honor. Being a demone is, yeah, okay, yeah. They're right, meant to right. be yeah. enslaved. Yeah. Okay. And if you think back to the parent episode of the the big fight with like where Uno died, the next day after they have the baby banners going around picking out anybody that could, they're like grab her, grab oh, her, could, yeah, because they're gonna they're gonna enslave them and make them more demone. And that's why they're saying Marath demone are the trained channelers, being the Aes Sedai, who are a different level. So okay. like they're saying like you guys are an abomination. You guys should also be demone like. You should be enslaved for us. That clears. They the hate like they're basically anti benders unless you're under this terror terror or whatever this unless you're under the collar yeah. or whatever yeah, unless they you're have. chained and so they can control yeah. you. And that's the end scene when um Egwene gets chained and you see the collar get on her and then also like the um weave coming out the back that connects to the Soldan that's going to control her. So that's okay. like the whole concept. It's a lot. I know I just talked right there, but that's yeah. that's what it is. And once you once it clicks, like it's it's. It's no, I think, just, I think and that's like the point. Like Egwene's arc will introduce us to like all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're gonna find out a lot more specific. I figured, than, but that anyway. basic knowledge right there honestly helped me a lot. Yeah, um, I figured it was worth talking it out. Yeah, and I yeah, and to go into it a little bit more, I just I really do like the perspective of how, like how they view channelers versus how the Aes Sedai view it. So it's it, that cultural distinction yeah. that makes. I mean, this they world are like so, unique. so like Red Aja go kill male channelers, and the Sean Chan just enslave all channelers. Right. Yeah. Well, I we guess all women channelers. Well, I was they don't say, have we haven't seen concept, any. Of I guess men, at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, quick question. Um, once Nynaeve gets released and whatever, even if Leandrin didn't release their bonds, wouldn't Egwene still be able to channel? Doesn't yeah. she do that? Doesn't she still channel? Yeah. There. That's what it's sense. Like they're supposed to be knocked out. They wake up, and then they can defend themselves. Essentially. Okay. okay. So I took because, it. I, it's not like I agree. It's kind of just like very convenient. She must have unshielded all of them because literally the first thing Leandrin says while they're in the ways is you guys are shielded and bond bound. Yeah. I think it's so. again, it's kind of in Leandrin's mind. She comes out, argues with this chick, and as she's going in, she just pulls the pin off the grenade and just mm-hmm. yeah. travels into yeah. the ways. That was badass because she hated Seroth so much. She was like, yeah. hey, fuck you, deal with this then, bye. Yeah, yeah. And then just yeah. dips. Yeah. And that was like, also, I, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Elaine, <laughs> okay, but yeah, exactly. Elaine's they're the like, first one. To they're up. like, do something, not even. She's like, I can't. <laughs> and then, yeah, Elaine like pulls down like some fire, or lightning, or whatever it ends up being. Yeah. I need and one then, of you guys to die first for me to be able to channel. <laughs> Literally, like, yeah, she's not die. She's not pissed off enough. Paul, bro, essentially, she is one of the most frustrating characters you'll ever read in fantasy of your <laughs> entire life, and that's like half the yeah. thing. But shout out Michaela. <laughs> this Michaela is would always say that one of the cool the my favorite little moments is how quickly elaine just like whips out this magic and it's amazing and same with Egwene when she does the before she gets caught she still whipped out the magic really well and it showed you how much in the background they've been powering up in their in their use of the power we haven't been seeing that much on screen but what they just did right there was like more than almost anything we've seen out of anybody besides leandra to moraine so it's cool that they were subtly growing this whole time and now they're both pretty much badasses so. Yes, sir. Shout out Elaine. Yeah. Uh, All right. On this, yeah. Sorry. Just to You're move good. it along a little bit, but one little comment: um, Egwene does kind of get caught as Nynaeve and Elaine kinda. escape, and I love the fact that the Demane, right? That's the name of the slaves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the one 
chick that was basically the head the, uh, that captured Egwene, she was like crying. You could see in her eyes that she was like tearing up. She was being forced to do this. She didn't want to do it. So mm-hmm. I just love that little touch. Yeah, I mean, she's just condemning someone else to her fate. I'm sure that feels yeah. legitimately terrible. That sucks. Yep. All right. So we're now moving into uh, a buddy cop spy film, which is Elaine and Nynaeve infiltrating Falm. And it goes about as well as you could expect because they just kind of argue as they go down the street. And then they are knocked out very aggressively, in my opinion, by a man who we find out is a warder. Um, who is, yeah. I mean, my take on it was like, okay, he is like bonded to a yellow Aja Aes Sedai. So he's like, whatever happened, she'll just heal them is my head cannon because he just like bangs him up against the wall and yeah. i was like all right buddy settle oh, down. I, thought, I thought that guy was totally evil by how they yeah, I, yeah right. I was not expecting this guy to introduce himself as like a warder i was like what the <laughs> fuck why are you just knocking people out then that i felt like was such that was the, almost like the death fake out from season one that was unnecessary suspense for the sake of suspense of like oh no they got caught and then two seconds later they're like oh no it's just a warder you're good he easily could have came around the corner and be like hey shush come with me but instead he's like eat rock and then just shoves their head against the wall i guess the only we know nynaeve so he doesn't know nynaeve but in hindsight that was probably the right move because you know nynaeve was having none of that yeah but she doesn't even know how to channel because nobody died yet so the benefit of the the benefit of the doubt too well i wasn't nope that would only be the benefit of the doubt for the girls not the guy so (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't help i like that on these scenes is just that again they just highlight elaine as a character she clearly has a plan she's not just like acting on emotion and he's like we got to go save Egwene. and she's like you got to settle down like they have our faces they're looking for us like we need to change our clothes like we're are thousands of miles to the west of the white tower right now like we need to fucking have a plan and we need to do things and i just like level-headed elaine taking charge obviously nine has a problem with it and yellow yeah, object she's just, just cool different color yes She's just so educated, Elaine, that is, that she knew exactly where they were. She knew exactly how far away they were from home. She's just great. She's just so cool. I love her. Yeah, oh, baby, Paul. Wow. Well, that's baby. the first the non-Kyle team. expression of love for Elaine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Elaine's Paul's awesome. a big parent. No, I, I like guy. her a lot, too. I like Elaine. Yeah. But we also get that this is the second time we get the Toman head drop, because she says Falm is on Toman head, which is a thousand miles west of the White Tower. And do we remember the first time we heard Toman head? I don't know who Tomin is, but he's getting like time of his life, dude. <laughs> that was a terrible Ooh. joke. Terrible is that a no? Joke. Is that a no then? Yeah. Tomin's yeah. Can That's we cut the, that, Paul? The, the prophecy <laughs> that Farron, Farron, that Varen, there you go. We'll take that as the more embarrassing part, Paul. She tells Moraine that. She said, I remember dark prophecies of of a sword made out of fire and battles in the sky above Tomin Head. Okay. No takes. Okay. Paul, you mentioned in that I'm that was like your proce- favorite I'm trying line to pro- of, of that episode. So I'm trying to process that information, what it means for me going forward. So that's the second kind of we got the reinforcement again from Ishamiel this in this episode of you know the final battle war curl and war curl will occur in the sky as I you know, as the dragon turns to the dark side. We get Tome and Head, which we learned a few episodes ago is the dark prophecy of battles in the sky above Tome and Head. So whatever, guys. Dude, I just I've said it all before. I'm fucking ready for some dragon battles. I don't know. <laughs> okay, this, all right. This, these kinds is, of close... is land you're gonna be riding the dragon. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> getting some Toman's gonna give you getting some head. I just yeah. think these places and names would just mean more if I had subtitles because like I could see it once and then like uh, be like oh like there it is being called out again. But when I don't have subtitles, I'm like it's gibberish. Like yeah, 
me and Alki were talking. Of, it's just like we we hear the TV and we're like, are we just are we spoiled with subtitles? Because I just sometimes they're talking. I'm like, what are they even saying? Don't worry. This is an episode we're going to rewatch when it comes out for non-screener yeah. version. So yeah, for sure, for sure. But speaking of riding the dragon and subtitles, we get a Shamiel getting real close to riding the dragon himself in bed, uh, only for it obviously to turn into our girl Lanfear and just an absolute banger of a conversation about the past, the present, and the future. I just felt like this fit better in the context of this for whatever reason. So the floor is just open and we get a ton. We learn a lot about the past. There's a lot of just really hard lines get dropped here. We talk about Ran. We talk about the whole fucking group of us. So I just, someone get us started and I'm assuming we won't stop rolling for a little bit. The one thing I'll bring up is just the other forsaken names that were mentioned. I'm not going to, I'm not assuming that was all of them that were mentioned, obviously, but um i got it written down you want me to rattle them off real quick yeah go ahead you, so you have the whole quote like that so so the first part of the conversation is is ishmael saying like why do you think the dark one rose like res me first and then it turns to why do you think uh lanfear said ishmael says to lanfear why do you think i picked you next right and she says mcgideon is insane Grendel is a vain idiot, and the boys couldn't execute a plan even under compulsion. Yeah, so that's, Luke already kind yeah. of laid out what that meant because the boys is like that's such a generic thing to say. Is like the boys? How many like, of them? Yeah, yeah he's like, like what? What does that even mean? Like, are the first two? Like, I guess then that implies that the first two aren't boys. So we have Lanfear, those two names, which are the females of the Forsaken, and then we have the boys, which is Ishi and whoever else is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I don't know why is is twelve the number Kyle. Yeah. is 12 like the number of forsaken i don't know why i just feel like yeah, maybe th- i'm gonna guess it's either seven or 12 because i feel like those are very like common numbers that appear like if you're in a guard or something you know it's seven or 12 so kind of i will say that i'm almost arrogantly confident that they're going to reduce the number that there were in the books okay. so i don't yeah. so we don't even have an answer for you that's why when they said the boys it was frustrating because i would have loved for her to just Lift go down and out. list all the ones that we're going to get but we don't have a confirmation, so there's nothing me and Kyle yeah. can even add. But there's there's, there's thirteen the kind of in the books. We're not getting thirteen. I mean, this is just the kind of world dropping that Wheel of Time just does so perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it's just a casual conversation of that like, might be for, season five. Yeah, again, knows? if I wasn't yeah, doing yeah. this, if I wasn't doing this podcast, honestly, those names would have like went over my head, and I would have we would have gotten that reintroduction to them, whatever season it is, and I would have been like, oh shit, like that's crazy, but like because we have to dissect everything so well is I could just appreciate it more. Like, it feels like I'm almost like reading the books with you guys, you know, like that's just, mm, I, I love, love to hear that. I just love the knowledge that I, like, I have all these questions. I can get them answered, but like, this was just a great, just drop into just knowing where we're headed in the future. Like, it's just, it's not just one, two, three of us, you know, there's like multiple of us and we're probably all relatively like the same strength and power. So fuck, like our people are just so screwed. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I don't know. I just love this conversation between their just their interaction in general because they have conversations like, "Oh, aren't you worried? I'm going to betray you." Um, and Lanfear's like, "Oh, like you know, obviously I am going to betray you." And Ishi gets all serious and goes up in her face, and she actually looks scared for a second. She tries to play it off, but she genuinely does look scared. The whole conversation about you know, you know why he awoke me first. Um, because out of all of the chosen or all the forsaken, I'm the only one that actually believes in the dark mm-hmm. um, to break the wheel. And he even said, well, I think he said to stop it. I don't know if he said to break it. He said to stop um, the suffering. Gotcha. Um, which is eerily similar to 
Dana's reason for being a dark friend from episode three, when she's like, you know, the way the world is now of all the suffering, all the people that, you know, live and die in the same town, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, he doesn't want to like send the world in darkness. Like he wants to save the world by breaking the wheel. I'm just like interested. I can't believe they gave this this early. This is like a really like high level like a Shamayul take. I love it. I'm really into it. But this happens like way later in the books when you kind of learn about like his actual ideals. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I definitely like it because he's not just following somebody. He actually has an ideal. Maybe the dude he's following will help them achieve that. A few other things in this little back and forth. I woke you because I know what you want. You always wanted, you know, your boy. You're gonna go get your boy. Um, she actually compliments is she saying you're getting better in the dream world and that's kind of nice because she is like the master of it she's the one that can manipulate it the most but he can Connects still back to season one how good exactly with it? yeah eyes of ember just and how they were just little flashes that weren't complete manipulation or anything like that so that's awesome and then the fact is how does the current dragon measure up to his predecessor and the fact that she's just like you know he's afraid he rejects his own power all that stuff just but then him just comparing Rand, that is, to the old dragon, like the original dragon, just so cool. Ah, and then they see, talk about, like, what about the girls, too? And so, obviously, they're tracking everybody. And then what about Matt? Matt was born mad, and Perrin will be soon more wolf than he is man. They're talking about fucking He's everybody. Mine. He's actually said, I think yes. he says mine yeah, was there. Born so, mine. Matt is, yeah. was born mine, and Perrin is making his way to being mine. So, that kind of goes into oh. what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, that, like, Matt and Perrin are kind of being pushed more so to the dark side whereas the other three are definitely more into the light we watched uh, that quote a couple of times oh I, we did it, I think 10 times i literally had my laptop in the air to my ear and i was like what does he say oh, yeah, we yeah. did it we replayed it like four times because yeah. like it's right when he says mine it like goes a tone lower mm-hmm. and like you can't really hear it and it's like he's saying m word i can't hear it and the one you missed for the girl specifically he says of the two girls one craves power the other fears it which obviously Nynaeve fears it. I'm assuming, well, yeah. maybe not. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, and then Egwene's the one that's craving it. She wants, yeah. My only other yeah. like comment I really have with this conversation is that we really get a look into like the quote-unquote dark side and how, to me, it doesn't seem like the dark side is like entirely loyal, if that makes sense. Like They're not like closely knit. So Lanfear automatically starts the conversation off by saying like, oh, like, not that I don't think she would do it, but she presents the hypothetical of what if I betrayed you? And then we already see kind of like Leandrin with Nynaeve and how Leandrin like saved Nynaeve. And like, she has these ties to like the light side with Nynaeve and her son. So it's just, for me, it's like the, the dark side isn't cohesive. Like they have reasons for joining, but they're not like dark reasons. They're all potentially like good reasons, but they've kind of cornered themselves cornered themselves into forcing themselves into joining the dark side if that makes sense so perfectly summed up the nuance of it is so important and what makes it realistic and well written the best thing to compare it to would be just like an equivalent would be like the lannisters right like they're all kind of the same goal but they each have their own individual things they'll backstab each other just to get ahead a little bit but they're still like the ultimate goal is to yeah to push forward the lannister agenda you know so that's how i view it but that was if a, they that's were, great, yeah. Yeah, if they were like a cohesive unit, it would be kind of pretty much game over. The, yeah, the world that's, would be dead with just these two problems. That's what like, I'm. That's where my note was going. It's just like I couldn't even imagine if like people were like actually willing to join the dark side and not just for like for sakes of like their if you want to call it like human side, you know. Like I feel like that would just present a way bigger threat. Thirteen, this, thirteen issues would kill the world, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. this uh, honestly for me, did. this yeah, this. Yeah. 
for me presents like you know a feasible weakness in the dark side that's like okay like they're not like and i love that we're like kind of humanizing lanfear here because i keep forgetting that she was human like she's been around for three thousand years she's Mm -hmm. a forsaken she's strong as hell like i just i love this interaction like this was honestly like a top three if not one interaction for me on this like whole show like it's my favorite character talking to like a, an up and coming favorite character. We're not going to say okay, up there, okay. but like, <laughs> yeah, Pat and Bane's still it's, right there in three. Let's say you say that because anytime there was a Forsaken and like it was a Forsaken only chapter in the books, whether it's a prologue, an epilogue, a random chapter that's just like a highlight in the books, I was like texting Kyle. I was like, this is the best. Like, I fucking love <laughs> anything is- to do with Forsaken talking to each other is just my favorite parts of like this whole series. 100%. And it's just for the reasons that you're pointing out, it's so fun to learn more about them. And they don't give you too much. So it gets rid of the mystery, but it's always like trickling in. And every time it's super interesting. But I'm pissed. Paul took all the fun things to talk about. I got two other <laughs> things written down. <laughs> Um, that I'll just bring up now. Like, I love that they both talk in the old tongue initially. That's just cool. Like whenever the old tongue's around, it's just a cool aspect of wheel of time. And then my other thing was, and I, I might've misread this. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I took it that in the beginning of this conversation, when they're talking about where humanity is now, since the last breaking of the world, they're saying like, Oh, like 3000 years later. And they're still only using swords. Like I'm taking it as the last time that the dragon was around, like the world broke so badly that after 3000 years, we should be ahead in the technological chain of like where humanity evolves to like akin to what Dave brought up earlier about when loose Theron was alive. Like they had flying cars and shit. 3000 yeah. years later, we're still using swords. That's how I took it. And I think that's like a really, they cool also quote, were saying, were they also saying here that they didn't view it as them breaking the world? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's more saying that, like, okay, they're saying we broke the world, but, like, they've had all this time to fix it, and they haven't done shit about right. it type of right. deal. Like, that's kind of the way I took it, of him, like, looking down, basically, on, like, humanity uh, at, right. in their current state of, like, what the hell have they been doing for 3,000 years? Which is super cool and interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, this was just... Like I could eat up this conversation all day. Yeah. I think this is a top three scene of the series, and I, I use that a lot. But it's because the series keeps <laughs> we're getting gonna, better yeah, and better. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're gonna better. we're gonna come back to this. We're gonna be talking about this for a while. There's just again, like Dave said, the name drops in themselves are just fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. But all right, so Ashamayo gets woken out of the dream, which is cool. I like the way they did that, where like you hear it coming, and she's like, "You gotta go." And then he wakes up in the real world to Turok's voice or a messenger summons him for an audience. Questions him about his background, which he gives like a really good answer. If I left my home so long ago, like, all right, buddy. Mm-hmm. And just kind of turns into the present, another present, which again, another shocking present. The first time it was Pat and Fane. This time it's going to be Egwene. Luke already mentioned about her getting the collar and the shoulder pads and everything. I don't know if we want to talk about it anymore. Or we just want to kind of wrap it up and go into MVP, LVP. Uh, no just, real comments. It's just how are they going to rescue her? I mean, if she's going to be surrounded by Sean Chen and like Ishi at, at all times, like how the hell are Elaine and Nynaeve going to get in there and <laughs> take her? You know, so we'll see. Rock just made another comment about two Ishi. You're not of the blood or of the land. So again, just to go with that theme, hopefully, I don't know. I'm waiting for the reveal that some crazy like. Perrin is of the blood or something like that. Like somebody <laughs> is of the blood or of the land and you just get something cool there. So yeah, the same thing um, that they were talking about earlier, 
the high lady has a gift for you. I wish only you receive it in good faith. I assume the gift is like death or something like that. Cause I already talked about overthrowing no, him. It's, it's, it's a queen. queen. It's a queen. So, okay. So I got confused because Ishi says to her at one point, like I have a gift for you. His gift to Sarath was the girls was Leandrin bringing the girls. Okay. And like, because that was like, hey, we're going to give, like, I'll give you these crazy strong channelers that you can then give to Turok as a gift. And it's going to be like, everything will be copacetic because you just brought these insanely powerful Damane to him, which will, you know, basically let him take over the world. So, Egwene was the gift uh, that was supposed to be received in good It was supposed to be, yeah, it's supposed to be three of them, but it ends up just being one. But obviously, Turok doesn't know that it was supposed to be three. And so, my piece of this that, kind of blew my mind a little bit because of the differences i guess from the source material is how he's questioning him because he's saying that ishi's been around for a little bit now and he's actually the one that brought the omens to the attention of the sean chan that started the return back to the mainland two things the return we've talked about won't harp on that that's just like a big thing about coming back to their rightfully owned continent whatever it is Mm -hmm. omens are a big part of the sean chan culture that's yeah, very superstitious. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. But this was yeah. surprising because it's kind of like implying that Ishii kicked off this whole thing. Which, am I wrong? Is that the book? That's a thing. That's a thing? I don't really... That's remember. a very like read-between-the-lines type of thing from the books. But yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so I'll ignore me for that. But yes, yeah. either way, it was it was cool kind of experiencing this for the first time because I didn't yeah. read between the lines. So Unless yeah. I am reading between the wrong lines in the wrong way, but I'm fairly positive, and I know we're gonna not as explicit. We're gonna get a YouTube comment about it, so shout out to whoever gets there first, I guess. Only my comment's gonna be we're gonna get this reinforcement of they they named the Empress, so like we know that there are people higher than the people we've seen now. Like this is just the advanced force, so we're gonna meet maybe there's at least existing higher up people than what we've seen wherever they are on their continent across the sea, right? And yeah, that's pretty much it. And then Gwaine, our girl, just in a rough spot. Rough spot. Bad spot to be. Well, the worst spot, I would say. I would rather be Rand, obviously. I mean, for whatever, you know, for positive reasons. But, like, he's obviously tied up a little bit, too. But he ain't chained. We might yeah, get a glimpse at that. some torture porn here, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just looking at that risk gauntlet thing, that seems to be, like, the main thing, controlling the yeah. collar and all that. So looking forward to that for the weak point going forward. And it looks quite painful for her to be in it. It's not like it's just like resting on her. Like it's clearly impacting her physically in mm-hmm. some way. All right. All right. So Great I go three times in a row for MVP, LVP. <laughs> all right. So Paul's last. Thank yeah, you for Paul's volunteering. Last. <laughs> Luke, kick it off. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. So MVP, Landfear, baby. Actually, yeah, I'll take Landfear. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's tough going name. first. Yeah. I did. I should have. It's kind of hard wrote, going first. I wrote two, assuming I wasn't going first. A sp- Thinking that one of them was going to be taken, but fine, I'll take Lanfear. <laughs> like, yes, you removed your fingers off the page. I did, you, I did. I did. <laughs> the last scene alone, and the last scene coupled with the Forsaken conversation, that's MVP status. But then the beginning stuff, which it felt like this was just a great episode for her all around. I, I harped on yeah. her enough. LVP, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Elias because he was kind of. Oh, he was ah, not. He yeah. was not humanizing with. Par- I mean, that's a bad way to say it because he doesn't even consider himself human. Yeah. So, I, but you know, he was being no empathy. He wasn't, he wasn't helping with the transition from full human to wolf brother, and I feel like he should have been more. Aware. Hasn't guided Perrin into like using his abilities at all. So yeah, like, not you know, you know, not a. You're gonna cost him a vegetable. Yeah. It's like, come on. All right, Dave. Go ahead. All right. While I'm talking, um, we'll go with MVP. 
This might be three out of five for me, but I'm going to go with Varen here. Mm. I just, she's great. I, there was a lot of options here for my MVP. I'm, I'm sure Kyler Paul will say my second one, but Varen just, you know, deducing. She's got that power deduction going on. So love that for her. And then LVP was Elias. Now we're kind of caught between two. I will go with, I will go with Leandrin. Mm. Um, she obviously gave up our girls hate that even though she freed naive i think it was like we kind of discussed more of her just like i'm pinning the grenade as she left more so than like her helping out naive but Landrin's definitely catching the lvp all right my mvp is gonna be avienda yeah that of, was the other one yeah of the nine valley sept of the tar.io far dies my she Come just on, introduced us to a lot of concepts that we will be talking about for literally the length of this entire show so it's very fun to finally meet her. Happens in a little bit of a different way, obviously, than the books. But she's fucking fantastic with all that grappling. And then my LVP is going to be Nynaeve because she just was useless, pretty much. And she was honestly negative in in her and Elaine trying to survive and find yep. Egwene. I mean, if, if they didn't get knocked out and went to this Aes Sedai and her warder, like, they just... Nynaeve would have ruined it all, it feels like. So Absolutely. she's got to learn to uh, step down a little bit. Yeah, MVP. I'm going to go Elaine. She's the only one to actually cast and make moves. There we go. That was Elaine. Elaine. Thank God for her. And then LVP. I'm going to do Lady Siroth because she lost so much fingernail. I don't even (laughs) find her attractive anymore. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Definitely like a noticeable if she stepped on the scale, she would weigh less because she lost those fingernails. So hell yeah. What do you think they do with the fingernail? Like the clippings. I thought it was so funny that they did like slow motion and like they like literally you hear the sound of them hitting the stone. I thought that was hilarious that they made it that obvious. It cracked me up. Must have been like a quarter pound, those things, to be honest. (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) Quarter pound. Jesus Christ. Who could say? How many ounces slapped it up on the hill scale? All right. (laughs) That is gonna do it. Episode five, Demane. We absolutely did not aim for or hit our goal of trying mm-hmm. to keep it like two hours or less but that's what happens when we talk wheel of time so if you're still here we love you thank you for sticking around best way to support us is just going to be subscribe like comment whatever you're watching or listening on you'll be in the know where we've been fairly consistent with these drops but we'll see what happens we're going on vacay this weekend so who knows when this one will come out and we got to go watch the eagles game so that's it i'm going to keep it short and sweet bye go birds You're listening to the Geekscape Network.